Hello and welcome to the Cadaver Lab Podcast. I am Mike. First thing I want to do before we get to anything else is I just want to thank everybody for listening in. I know that uh, we kind of left everybody a bit sour after the last episode when uh, we kind of sprung the fact that uh, Sam was leaving on you guys. However, I have great news. I think that uh, with the help of a lot of other people, we pulled this together and it's, I think we're going to have a great show. Um, today's topic is actually going to be celebrity A-listers who got their start in horror. Uh, however, as you will find out soon, that we're gonna that the show is gonna actually uh, from here on out have a lot more to it than just uh, voicemails and then review three movies that happen to fit into a certain topic. Um, it's actually gotten a quite bit more ambitious, uh, and, and you, I think you'll be able to to see that as we go along throughout the show. Anyway, it, it, I just want to thank everybody for offering to help me with the show, uh, offering segments, things like that. I just, I really just uh, do appreciate it. Everybody's been very supportive. In fact, uh, I was going to have a bunch of other segments for the show. In fact, there was going to be a couple of other segments that I was going to do myself as well. Uh, however, I, this show, I think, is going to end up being a pretty long one. So I figured that uh, maybe we'll save those for a time when we don't have as much stuff to put out. Uh, anyways, uh, let me give you a quick outline of the show. First of all, uh, the the first new segments of the show, the segment of the show, is going to be called Cadaver Classics, and that is actually Stephen from JFMP and I. Uh, every episode, are going to pick a classic horror movie, uh, discuss it, and basically just kind of review it more or less. Of course, you know Stephen; he knows more about some of these classic horror movies than anyone else I know. So uh, you might actually learn something, which is shocking. The second thing we're going to have on today is a segment called Slasher Central. Gray from the Dark Hours podcast. We all know how big of a slasher fan that he is. And uh, basically he's volunteered to do a a segment about uh, a slasher for every single episode coming up, as far as I know. And so he does a great job. We really appreciate him contributing to the show. After that, we've got another new segment called It Came from the Public Domain. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but clear back in the Cadaver Lab uh, public domain episode, which we did fairly early on, uh, I was introdu- or we, we got a couple of emails and a voicemail from a guy named Aaron who seemed to know every little thing that had to do with public domain. He offered to share that knowledge with us, and I am pretty stoked about it because that is one place where <laughs> I could definitely uh, get into free horror movies. Uh, and then after that, we're going to get into the main section of the show. Uh, of course, I've got a brand new co-host, and uh, it's it's all secret. So we'll wait till we get to that to to actually uh, let let you know who that is and you know what's going on there. We're going to be uh, basically this will be where we do the uh, the talk about the main subject of the show, review a few movies, and uh, you know it's kind of uh, more of uh, the classic Cadaver Lab. I just got to tell you that I'm really excited about all this. The guy who we got to, to, or the guy who I got to help me out, knows his stuff in horror. Uh, great guy, fun to listen to. So uh, I, I am definitely looking forward to working with him. Uh, and just a, a, qu- a quick section about things who are uh, things that are coming up. The next thing that we're going to do is Cadaver Comic Corner. Basically, this is where I'm going to take a, com- a horror comic that I've read. And, you know, just got a little bit, I've been really stoked about these horror comics and, uh, you know, a lot of stuff that I've never even heard of, some stuff that takes some of our favorite movie heroes and villains and, uh, you know, throw, uh, extends their story or, or kind of puts them into uh, maybe a different 
kind of reality to, to continue to tell their story. Anyways, I'm pretty stoked about it. Uh, like I said, I didn't do that for this episode, but you should expect that coming up. Uh, also, another segment that I was going to do is a scary thought subject. Maybe uh, bring up a, you know, maybe a topic in the horror with what's either going on with horror or, you know, some of the things that uh, uh, us horror fans like to think about. Maybe just kind of throw a couple ideas out there and maybe get some feedback about it. Anyhow, speaking of feedback, it's been quite a while since uh, Sam and I last recorded that episode, and between then and now, since the bomb that we dropped, uh, we've gotten a huge amount of voicemails. We probably have uh, almost 40 voicemails that, uh, that haven't gotten on the air yet, and I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do with all those, because, I mean, I don't know if I want to, uh, I don't think we can afford to play that many you know, that, that would, I think that would just take too long. However, uh, it doesn't really matter at this point anyway, since we haven't really figured out how to, uh, well, I haven't really figured out how that we're gonna, how we're gonna do voicemails, since, uh, the technology that we're using to record has changed up so much. Basically, I just have to figure out how to, uh, play voicemails so that both people on the, on either side of a Skype conversation can hear them at the same time. But if you guys have any uh, help, you can help me with that. Shoot me an email at mikeatcadaverlab.com. Uh, however, we I will one way or another have it figured out by next episode. So go ahead and uh, send in your voicemails with your thought about the new uh, the new show, basically the new layout that we have. The you know I- anything you want, of course. Uh, I'm sure that uh, we'll get plenty of calls about balls and vaginas and things like that. Well, you know that's just fine with me because you know what that's stuff I like to talk about. That's on my level, right? Anyhow, the voicemail line is 206-339-2730. That is 206-339-2730. I've just got to say I'm really excited about how this turned out. You know, and I only think it's going to get better. Uh, you know, now that I'm working with a couple of new guys, uh, new hosts of the show, uh, I think the more comfortable we get with each other, the better it's going to be. And I think that uh, that just comes with experience in working with each other. Not, I'm not saying that this one was bad. I just think that it can only get better, and I'm actually really stoked about how it turned out. Um, and there's a couple of technical issues that I also need to overcome. The first being uh, some voice uh, voice quality, some of the, how, how my voice sounds in it. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm kind of using a new set of tools, and uh, it's funny because it seems like not only did we lose a host, but you know, the forums. Uh, kind of died, and we we uh, had to create new forums. By the way, if you want to sign up for the forums, go to cadaverlab.com/forums, or uh, you know, and go ahead and sign up there. However, uh, th- those died, and then I bought a new computer that I'm trying to figure out how to do everything out over uh, on the new computer. It has a new operating system, things like that, and uh, it's just kind of been one of those technically challenging uh, efforts recently and so we're st- I'm still trying to figure that out I'm still trying to figure out how to uh, tweak the voice my voice so that it uh, it sounds uh, you know it sounds a little bit better however I, I don't think it's too bad I you know I however I don't think it's bad I just you know always looking to do things better and uh, well a couple of things I want to mention before we get into the show uh, I want to urge everybody to go to saltyhorrorfilmfestival.com I'm actually going to be start work. I mean, I have been working on the website, things like that. However, having been up at Sundance this last week, and you know, having not been able to ha- had time to work on it in the last few uh, weeks, uh, there have been a lot of awesome things that have been going on with it. A lot of people 
celebrities, things like that that are going to be there. A lot of movies that have uh, that we're going to be playing there. Go to saltyhorrorfilmfestival.com. Check that out. And a lot of new updates should be there in the next, uh, I would say, a couple weeks. I'm going to be working on that in uh, in the Cadaver Lab off time, I guess, because I only have X amount of hobby time hours, and uh, you know they're kind of competing for each other. And that's actually why I wanted to bring up one last thing before we get into the show. I, I know that I said that we could possibly start a weekly show. However, I think that I'm going to stick, that, that we're all going to stick with the uh, every other week for a little while. Hopefully we can get that going once a week. Uh, but for the time being, I've got, uh, you know, the Salty Horror Film Festival, and I'm going to be writing for a couple of uh, uh, horror sites like, of course, The Examiner and uh, HorrorNews.net. So, uh, yeah, like I said, what we're just going to be doing one every other week. Anyways, that is a long enough intro to the show. I am really excited, and uh, please shoot us emails, voicemails, and let us know how you like it once you uh, get done finishing it. And now it's time for Cadaver Hey, welcome to the first installment of Cadaver Classics. I got Stephen from the illustrious JFMP podcast here with me. How's it going, Stephen? Oh, just dandy, Mike. How are you doing tonight, buddy? You know, I knew you were going to say that, too. You knew <laughs> I was going to say what? That, that you're doing dandy. I don't know how you could have possibly thought that, because I'm actually having a pretty shitty fucking week. Let me tell you something, Mike. <laughs> If, yeah. if I have any outbursts tonight, I here see there's been some lifestyle changes. You know, I don't worry to talk about everything that's going on in my life. Why there's not? lifestyle change. Well, you know, because <laughs> everyone because none of us really all right, give a shit. All right, all right, well, yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. Every, go ahead. Every, no, everybody's going to be all sympathetic and shit. Anyway, all right, okay. you're the, you're the only person that knows this so far that my wife had a mild heart attack a little while back. Uh-huh. Okay, all right, and there's been some lifestyle changes. There's green shit in my fridge. <laughs> the kids call them vegetables. I don't know what the fuck that's all about. But but here here's the big one. Uh, everybody knows I'm a fucking pretty heavy smoker. Until yesterday, I've gone... We're pushing like hour 32 without a fucking cigarette. So if I'm a little more hateful than normal, please forgive me. I've already called my grandmother... A cocksucking whore today because you know she, she wouldn't give up the tongue. Um, oh, Judas! So <laughs> really, dude? What what the fuck are you laughing at? My grandmother's dead. That's not funny, dude. <laughs> my bad, man. No, anyway, my my so, bad. <laughs> so I'm I'm a little fucking cranky, but uh, but we got a fucking movie to talk about. So at least we got that going for us. Dude, how was I'm, your how was your week? You know, let, enough about me. How was your week, Michael? You know, my week has actually been pretty solid. Well, then <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, that's why I, I I have really little to complain about. I I apologize, uh, except for yeah, that's all right. You know, yeah. everything's perfect out in fucking uh, Mikey Land. Mikey Land. Nah, that's what we we'll call it now. The fucking amusement park that is your fucking life. <laughs> Listen, even Let's in the amusement park, every, mo- every once in a while, you'll step in some gum, okay? 
Oh, well, that's true, too. Or the Rarely. Puke after, okay. Yeah, some little kids puked on the fucking roller coaster and you sit in it. Right, that's, exactly. That, that's, that's, where, that's my spot in the fucking line in Mikey Land. <laughs> I can already tell that this is going to be great. Oh, I, yeah. Oh. I'm just happy to be here, man. <laughs> yeah, well, it's always a pleasure to get together with you, Michael, because you are my OBFF, so. <laughs> OBFF. Yeah, that's my what? Wife, what my wife calls it. You're my online best friend forever, since I don't have like real BFFs. Well, you know what's funny is I didn't except even for know. except for this stuffed animal sitting here. It's a pink gorilla. That but the BFF, the BFF totally stands for something different in there, right? Uh, the the bear that you BF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk about that. That's our right, little secret. Right, of course. Oh, uh, well, that's good. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, I appreciate it. Uh, so this is going to be a pretty, um, uh, just a new segment we can expect every episode of Cadaver Lab? Uh, I certainly hope so. Provided yeah, absolutely. I, provided I don't go on a fucking killing spree in the next uh, week. What? Yeah, we'll, we'll, well fucking keep doing it. <laughs> then all we do is uh, we just start using talk shoe and you could do it from prison. I don't know if they'll let you, let you fucking, well, I guess, it, 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 man... I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, what do you say? Because I know if it's just, like, fucking white-collar crime, then I can pay the extra 75 bucks and get, like, the breakfast in bed and the fucking Wi-Fi and all that shit. But I don't <laughs> know if you can fucking get that on death row. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I, I yeah, so that. <laughs> that's one we might want to look into. Uh <laughs> Well, the the reason that we're doing the Cadaver Classics, I think, uh, is because I, here on the, you know, if you guys listen to JFMP, he does a lot of kind of more obscure classic type stuff. But but over here, we, we you know, we don't do, is we haven't done as much in the past, you know. And so I get enough shit from everybody else not uh, having a great uh, classic uh, uh, movie uh, knowledge set for the classic movies that I figured, you know what, who better to help me out and to walk me through some of these than, uh, than Steven. So that's what we're doing. That, that's well, basically it. I am fucking touched, Michael. And not, not, in the, not in the bad way where I had to call the cops on my uncle. And, but... and, sh- and show him and point to the dolly and where yes, your yeah. uncle touched you. Okay. Yes. Well, no, that's good. That's cool, man. But uh, speaking of t- inappropriate touching, we've got uh, the fucking movie tonight, uh, 1961's The Innocents. <laughs> I hated that you just introduced it like that, man. Oh, well, it, it, I don't know. Were you not? Well, you haven't read the book, though. No, I have and, not read the book. And, and I was actually going to bring this up. We should talk about the movie. Then I'd like to hear a little bit about the book. Okay, yeah, and, let's And how do it that. differed and whatnot, because... Um, because I mean, I obviously I think that, some, that they could have maybe been a little bit more descriptive in the book than they couldn't in a 1961 movie. Well, but since the book was 1898, oh, it was okay. A lot of it just seems like innuendo and uh, just creepy in general. But uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, you want to talk about the? Give us the rundown on this one. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, like Stephen said, The Innocents came out in 1961. Um, it was directed by Jack Clayton. Uh, it was written by Henry James, who actually, uh, he was the writer of the the novel. Uh, the, the novel was called uh, The Turn of the Screw, and that came out when? 18 what? 1898, if I'm not mistaken. 
Wow, okay. Um, it actually got an 8.0 on the IMDb scale. So, I mean, that is very high. Um, do you think it deserves that? Do just I? Just overall, uh, real quick. Oh, absolutely. I love this movie. Um, this is one, I mean, this is one of those movies that works on so many different levels and you've got so much talent behind it. You've got, uh, Truman Capote working on the script. Uh, right. I guess he's responsible for about 90% of it. Oh, is he? Okay. Uh-huh. And then you've got Jack Clayton as the director. Um, he kind of off and on, uh, I guess the next horror movie he would do would be, uh, something wicked this way comes. Uh, was that 83? Ah. But Freddie Francis yeah. as your cinematographer, uh, one of the fucking absolute best in the world. Uh, he would go on to do some work for uh, Hammer and Amicus, uh, including uh, directing the Tales from the Crypt movie in, that was what, 71? Oh, 1972, or uh, 71, 72. You're talking about the one with, uh, with the old school Crypt Keeper. And, oh, yeah, uh, Joan Collins. Yeah, Joan Collins, that's who I was trying to think of. Oh, yeah, cool. And then after um, after directing the movies for Hammer and Amicus, uh, he went back as a cinematographer working for uh, Scorsese and David Lynch, uh, two of the most notable ones. And uh, the, really? the visuals in this movie are absolutely incredible. The black and white photography is amazing. Uh, it's one of the things that really stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. And um, you get you've got a pretty decent cast: uh, Deborah Carr, uh, Michael Redgrave, and uh, the kids weren't too fucking annoying. I mean, kids are always iffy. Well, and, uh, especially in this movie where so much relied on the the performance from the kids. I think they did a good job. I mean, I, yeah, especially I, the little boy. I I thought he because um, well, I I just read the book again. You know, just went through the book again a couple of days ago. And it was like, you know, okay, go sit down and rewatch the movie again with this in mind, you know, mm -hmm. what, what this character has to do. And I think he pulled it off pretty well. Well, and here's the thing that when, when I started noticing, I assumed that this, this story was taking place probably right around the time that the book, that the story was written. Uh, yes, absolutely. You know, and uh, it, Kind of struck me as strange, not necessarily strange, but uh, basically just how everybody acted, you know, j just the way they interacted with each other. It was very foreign to me. They, you know, it was very proper and it was very polite. And, you know, so I think that when, when the kids were acting like that, uh, or, you know, even if the kids did something that I, that I may have thought was weird or whatever, I just kind of attributed it to the fact that, that, that this is a, a time and a place where people acted in a way that uh, I'm not familiar with. So to be honest with you, I didn't really have a problem with really anything they did, you know, as far as uh, uh, portraying their, their parts or anything like that. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing with this movie. It was 1961. You, you think about 1961, you've got movies uh, you know, right around this time. You've got psycho coming out, right. uh, peeping Tom uh, horror was kind of taking a, a pretty drastic turn around this time. And this really feels like a movie that was made probably 10, 15 years earlier because it is a period piece. It is taking no, place in the late 1800s. And so you've got the, it's even, it's kind of a cross between, you know, that's, the, I mean, especially like, like I said, having just read the book, you know, how formal everything is. Right. And uh, so, so it's kind of, you know, you kind of get yourself in that mind frame. Well, and the thing is too, is I mean, the story starts out with uh, Deborah Kerr 
um, talk speaking with uh, what's his name. Um, uh, uh, Michael Redgrave, that's Michael Redgrave, Michael Redgrave, right? Right. In uh, it, basically, he's more or less interviewing her for a governess job, and it was almost charming how they would interact with each other. You know, it, it's like I mean, the, the way they would speak, and you know, and I don't say words like charming. So I mean, this I mean, this made an impression on me. So basically, they were having a conversation in his office, and he was just telling her, "Listen, I don't want to have anything to do with these kids." I don't. I don't mean if there's any problems, you have it. I, I don't want any kind of uh, uh, communication. Basically, I trust you. Go out there. And the funny thing is, she even told him she didn't have any experience, but he didn't seem to care. Anyway, the way they were interacting with each other it was just striking to me that they could, he could basically be so cold while being so charming. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you could tell he's kind of he's he's a player. I mean, right, right. I mean, he, he just charms the shit out of her while saying, basically, right. you know, I'm a fucking horn dog. I'm going to be here in town. I got stuck with uh, my brother's kids. Right. You, you can fucking deal with it. I'll sign the checks. You do everything else. And oh, yeah. But but yeah, like like you said, he's so fucking charming about it. it it's no wonder he's rich and powerful and uh, would rather be out whoring around and is successful at it. Yeah, the whoever run the woman that runs the house. Mrs. You're right. Uh huh. She she mentions that uh, you know, the ladies just love this guy, and he's he's oh yeah he's a charming son of a bitch. Yeah. So she ends up heading out there to to uh, uh, the uncle's country estate. He heads out there. She basically meets the well. She meets first of all. She meets Flora, who is a, a young girl, probably what would you say around maybe ten, twelve years old. If that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay. And anyway, it's it's funny because even their interactions, they these were charming. This was a charming little girl who. It's funny because uh, um, they just seem so precocious and and you know so very. Uh, and the whole thing, like like I was saying earlier, the whole thing kind of blew me away just to how how they communicated. That's like I think that's like the the, the for the first twenty minutes of this film, I was still I was just kind of like wow, you know, this is kind of blowing my mind a little how how these people in, interacted. Like, I guess and I, I'm not a historian. I don't know if that's really how it was, but it definitely made it seem like it was a kind of a, a, a different time and, you know, people treated each other differently, uh, you know, things like that. Oh, absolutely. So anyway, so she's, so what was her name? Miss Giddens, who is the governess. She actually uh, is just getting settled. She meets uh, Miss Gross, who is just like you said, she was the maid. Between uh, Miss Gross and Flora, they kind of show her around. They show her the, uh, basically, they just show her the grounds. They show her what's, what's uh, the lake. There's you know all sorts. Of, it's a beautiful piece of land. Oh yeah. And 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 this this woman, Miss Giddens, falls in love with it. And uh, in the beginning of the movie, she just seems like she's so enamored with it that uh, you start to get the feeling that, uh, you know, this, is, this isn't, this is at least I did, that well, what's going to end up turning scary about this? Everybody's so damn happy. Oh, yeah, because I would let me out. I shall walk to the front door because this estate <laughs> is so beautiful. Exactly. Oh, what a charming child. <laughs> she is so beautiful. And as she is precocious, as she is lovely. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, wow, it's, I can't believe I can't believe you found those clips from the movie and just put them in right there, right on the fly. Yeah, you gets to be on the ball, dude. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like fucking you. Know, I mean, this is probably where they got the idea for Mary Poppins. I thought that same thing. 
I thought that exact same thing. Except I don't think Mary Poppins, like, you know, well, never mind. We'll get to that. <laughs> right. Oh, give me a kiss goodnight. Give me the tongue. Yeah. Just let me the tongue, please, governess. Very gross. Oh, I don't know. For him or for her? Because I'm thinking if I'm for like, me, if I'm for th- me, the watcher. Oh well, I'm thinking if I'm ten years old and I've got like a hot piece of snatch babysitting me, I'm going to fucking oh take. Oh my! It. Wow. <laughs> but we uh, all right. So uh, yeah, she's she's there at the estate with Flora, and Flora makes kind of keeps making this announcement that, that her brother Miles is coming home, and they're all you no know, Miles is at boarding school. He won't be home to the holidays. But they uh, get a letter saying Miles has been expelled from school, and and this is here we again we see how the uncle handles things. Uh, the school sent the uncle the letter expelling the kid, and he didn't even bother to open it. He just sticks it in an envelope and mails it off to her. Yeah, forwards it right along. Yeah, so you know he he absolutely does not give a fuck what's going on out here at this estate. Well, it must be nice to be rich. I know because it, I, I think this is what my kids should be raised. I mean, he's he <laughs> he has taken he has taken my parenting methods and perfected them, <laughs> and I, I figure that's the only thing that's missing is money. So, yeah, I was going to say you had a million bucks. Yeah, it'd be like this. Well, it, it's pretty close right now because uh, my kids are now confined to the uh, the garden shed at the back of my estate. Is it closer to that or something to With the barbed wire fence of, around uh, it, a la uh, Berlin, The girl next door. Oh, dear God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we also find out that there, before, uh, there was a governess before her. Uh, she had an affair with the gardener by the name of Quint. And uh, both of them died under kind of mysterious circumstances. Right. And this is where we start getting into the spooky crap. Uh, she sees uh, Quint standing at the uh, out on the balcony of, uh, or out on the, the turret of this big tower on the estate. Right. right. Um, she sees him in the window. Uh, she sees the ex-governess standing out in the middle of a lake. And we start to get into this, and this is where the movie starts to get not only pretty creepy, but pretty ambiguous. Uh, the kids start acting a little bit stranger. Uh, and so now you start... Well, yeah, and we, we forgot to mention that just like uh, just like Flora was basically saying and predicting, he came home. Uh, what's his name? Miles came home. And uh, the, the thing is, is the first time he came home and, you know, right in the first few minutes of him being home and, and in the movie, he was, he, I mean, he kind of charmed the pants off. Uh, well, not, not literally. Uh, that's, that comes later. Yeah, not what? for like a try. No, uh, yeah. Miss, she, he, he charms Miss Giddens and she cannot, first of all, she can't figure out why anybody would expel this boy. And second, when she asks him about it, he just kind of ignores it and changes the subject. Kind of a little bit mysterious. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. Once he gets home and they, they kind of, uh, uh, set his character, you know, set it up a little bit so we know a little bit more about establish what's going on with him. That's when, that's kind of when it starts getting a little bit creepy. Right. And, and really from here on out, I'm, I mean, I don't know how much you want to give away on this, but essentially what you have is you're, you're in a situation where as a viewer, you do not know whether 
these kids, uh, I mean, there's obviously something going on between the kids. They're very close and almost to a point, I guess, apparently of being psychic, uh, being able to right. read each other's thoughts. Um, what their relationship. And it does seem like they're in collusion, uh, not necessarily against Miss Giddens, but more of that they, they know of something that's going on that no one else seems to know about and they don't want to give up. Right. Yeah. They're definitely playing their cards tight to the chest. And uh, then uh, you don't know whether, you know, what the kids involvement is. Uh, you find out that they were both uh, miles was very close to Quint uh, in an almost kind of creepy way. Uh, he followed him everywhere and Quint kind of, I uh, accepted, you know, this kid kind of took him under his wing, but at the same time was a drunkard and was abusive to the rest of the staff. So you don't know whether that's rubbed off on uh, Miles or whether right. maybe he, uh, this ghost that keeps showing up is influencing him or mm-hmm. whether uh, the governess is just losing her mind and imagining this thing and the kids, you know, is, is she seeing something that the kids can't see or do the kids see it right. and are just fucking with her saying, Oh no, we can't see exactly. it. Exactly. And try, you know, trying to drive her mad. I mean, there's really just a ton of shit going on here until it finally leads to uh, a pretty upset. I was, I thought the ending of it was pretty upsetting. I don't know how you, you know, felt about it, but, uh, but the the ending of it was it was kind of like wow I went, the first time I saw it I was not expecting it to end up the way it did. Well, here here's here's a couple of thoughts I had about it. I mean, I don't know if we should give much more away because I think half the half the um, the value of this movie is kind of trying to take everything in and try to figure out what's going on Absolutely. because I mean, and and so I I mean I don't think we should take that away from anybody who wants to watch the film, but. Um, here's, here's kind of my thought about the whole thing. I, just like you said, uh, it was, it was gorgeous. The, 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 the manor and the estate there were amazing. You know, I would have, I mean, I would, that's the type of place that you would go and, you know, take tours through because it's so, it kicks so much ass. Um, the, my only issue is, is it started to get a little bit slow and I will admit that I got, I was just like about, uh, what, what is this, uh, um, uh, what, about an hour forty, an hour 40. Or something? Yeah, yeah, right uh-huh. around in there. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I'm not saying it was like it was bad. However, I I just found myself kind of wanting it to hurry up. However, you mentioned the end part. Um, that was pretty effective. I will agree with you there. But it's funny because at that point, whereas I'd been a little bit bored, we you know we get up to the climax of the movie and uh, we, we see the final part, and I would have wished they would have put another fifteen minutes of it. You know, helping us out with what's going on a little, you know. Yeah, and we'll, we'll see. That's I think that's the be- beauty of the story is it does leave so much fucking open. Uh, you know, in and, fact, and it, I, and it, I, it basically leaves think, everything open. Yeah, and that's why I don't think pacing was an issue for me because, mm-hmm. all right, yeah, you'll have something happen. Um, and, you know, about two-thirds of the way through, then it starts to pick up, you know, where she's seeing the ghost here and seeing this ghost and does the girl right. see it and the girls flipping out and you know the but the, you have to you have to admit she's though, dude, it started to get a little chatty um i don't know it seemed to me the entire time when it started to slow down i'm thinking about the scenes i had just watched trying to put the pieces together so so it wasn't really an issue with me as far as like keeping me occupied because mm-hmm. um I, 
all the way through it, I kept, okay, could it be this? Could it be this? Could it be this? Uh, when there wasn't much going on on, you know, as far as plot wise going on on screen, you still have so right. much to mull over in your head that, uh, it kept me entertained the whole time. Okay. You know, I can give that to you. I can see where you could do that. I, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, I didn't, let me be perfectly clear. I don't, I don't think that it was that that ruined the movie for me. However, I do, I, I just wish that there was just a little bit more, um, to, I guess, mull over. I, I mean, I don't know if it's my ADHD or the fact that I was done mulling it over already. I don't know. But, um, I, once you make it through that, and just like you said, the last part of the movie is great, you know. So, it, it ended on a high note for me, regardless of how I felt about, uh, the whole movie's pretty slow. I mean, it's not like an action-packed rock. No. But, but I don't, when I say slow, I mean, I don't mean uninteresting. I just mean that, you know, uh, the, the plot is, is taking its time to, uh, and being fairly meticulous about what, it, what it's adding, what it's presenting, things like that. But, um, it, it, and see, that's one. That's one of the things that, like, I found interesting about it. Like, for instance, all the scenes where there's a ghost on screen. Uh-huh. Every single one of them. It's not like you. Know, she's catching it out of the corner of her eye, and you're right. you're left to wonder: Is that what she saw? No, you are actually you're looking at the ghost. It's not like you know. It's just a jump scare or anything. There's something right. there. This person. It's exactly who you think it is. That ghost is in the frame for long enough for you to digest it oh yeah in some scenes it's you know it's it's they make sure you see it and everything i mean they're not hiding it at all this isn't one of those like the grudge type movies right yeah this is this is one of those things where and so it's just a matter of you know we know what we are seeing the question is you know is it real or not and right as seen through her eyes and I think that just t- takes a whole new dynamic that you're not used to getting with a, a fucking ghost story. Yeah. Because yeah. you've always, you know, you've always got somebody saying, Oh, you know, you know, you've got the one person that knows what's going on. And then the other person, you know, you got another character saying, Oh no, it's, you're full of shit. Uh, you know, you got your skeptic and your believer here. You've got a completely unique dynamic going on. Well, I don't know. I mean, one of the, I think one of the things that you could have interpreted this movie as being is the kids know more than the governess. And just like you were saying, they're screwing with her the whole time, you know, kind of watching her, uh, her mental state or, you know, her, her nerves or whatever you want to call it kind of degrade. But the thing is, is that's not the only possibility. And that's, you know, and they, they, they never spell it out for us, well, yeah. which I think is I think is great. Yeah, there's pr- probably half a dozen different combinations of possibilities, right? Uh, plus all the fucking subtext with uh, uh, how much did the little boy pick up from Quint, and like he's trying to basically cop a feel off his governess when you know, <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, I need a goodnight kiss, and then yeah. I mean, it's all. Um, for the time period, at least, I mean, it was pretty fucking shocking. You know, and, it's and the actually, thing is, I saw that, and it was shock. I mean, it was pretty shocking to me just to see that, uh, just to think for a, a split second in real life that 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 these actors had to do that. Yeah, it was kind of, you know. Yeah, and I mean, but um, I don't know if you ever saw. I think it was the movie Mother's Boys, where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis had her character had the son giving her a bath. 
Or, and I, I and, have not seen that. And uh, of course, there was a was the was it Nicole Kidman where her husband was reborn in in a little kid's body, reincarnated, and apparently no, what, there. What is had, that movie? I don't remember what the name of it was. It was it was a couple of years ago, but there was a big controversy over the fact, you know, that it was, might have been inappropriate that uh, you know the relationship right. between husband and wife is now being played out with a full grown woman and a little kid. Right. So I mean, you know, we've this is uh this is the first time it I don't know, I think it's the first time I've probably ever saw that kind of dynamic between a child and an adult. And you know, we're well, talking even about now, seeing it for the first time. Yeah, and you know, this is something that is still taboo today, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's you know right fucking there. But it, and at the same right. time, it, and that's the thing with this movie is it it kind of seems almost seems out of place considering how formal a lot of the rest of the movie is. But it, it kind of adds to that you know you know where we're gradually declining more and more and more. Yeah, from well, this, I think this... it comes at a point in the movie where it's where it I think really adds to the to the uh, what's a good word for it? It just basically adds to the the, the psychosis of what's going on. Yeah, you know, it, or... it's it's just another element to keep you a little bit off balance when you're watching right. this thing. A little uneasy. Yes, um... and that, and that's what that's what I felt when I was watching. I'm like getting steadily and steadily more uneasy, and then you get that, and you're just like, oh crap. Yeah, but, yeah. Where did that come from? And uh, yeah, and there was actually a prequel made uh, to this. I believe it was called. Oh my God, what was the name of it? I thought you would know. Um, <laughs> it had Marlon Brando in it. Uh, let's was, see. Oh man, it's not on Wiki. That means I don't know it. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> what was the name of that fucking movie? Well, what what did the prequel have in it? Was it uh, Quince and uh, Jessup's yeah, story or what? Uh, it, was, it was called The Nightcomers. That was the name of it. And Jessel, uh-huh. and it was yeah, it was a uh, Quint and Jessel story, and ah. and uh, it was a, a violent relationship between uh, uh, Marlon Brando and uh, uh, fuck whoever it was that played uh, Jessel. But then you have the kids. Uh, kind of acting out the relationship with each other. They're learning uh, this kind of uh, hurt the ones you love mentality from Quint and Jessel and uh, Mm. kind of acting it out on each other. So they had to like kind of raise the age of the actors. Uh, Oh, right. Yeah. So the kids are like actually in their late teens, even though. Yeah, look at this. I'm looking at this on IMDb and it's. it's. I mean, it's all the same. The same characters. You have Peter Quint, Jessel, you Flora, and Miles, and everything. Yeah. There's the new governess. Yeah. The movie ends with the new governess showing up. Really? Okay. And, oh, you know, I might want to check that out. Yeah. Uh, God, it's been probably 20 years since I've seen that one. So. I... Came out in '71. So 10 years after, and uh, you know, I'm putting that in my, uh, I'm putting that in my Netflix queue right as we speak. So I mean I don't know if I don't know if for cadaver classics I mean as prepared as we sound we haven't gone over all the all of the uh, the details on how exactly we're going to handle this I don't know do you want to give these a score or do you just kind of want to uh, treat this as a um, segment that we just kind of discuss and, and and talk about a classic movie Well um, 
I think pretty much if it, if it's gotten to the point where it's classic enough for us to talk about it, uh, you know, so one of us is going to recommend it. I'm sure. But, okay. I mean, how, no, I mean, no, how, I, that's fine with me. I mean, you know, I definitely, of course, I, I recommend this movie. I mean, very highly. I don't honestly. I think that uh, you... this movie definitely caught me off guard. I mean, I, I will say that this is uh, it, it made an impression on me uh, from the beginning. Where, like we were talking about before, just the way that uh, people interacted with each other, all the way to the, the end, and then it left me with a lot of questions. I say it's definitely worth a watch. You know, I, I, I would I would say why. Now, did I love it enough to, or I like it enough to, to want to know what's going on in the, in the prequel. So take that for what you will. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something anyway. But yeah, I mean, I, it's gorgeously shot. It's well acted. And the story is just, um, there's just so many options there. I mean, you could fucking argue for days. As a matter of fact, people have been arguing for, you know, a hundred years as to what exactly, uh, is going on in this story. I'll uh, bet. Yeah. To, you know, to this very day, people are, you know, I mean, from fucking, you know, the Freudian aspects of it to, uh, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, the governess actually you know, saw what she saw or how did she know what Quint looked like? And of course that's explained in the movie. In, right. in the movie, she finds the uh, picture of Quint before she sees the, uh, the image in the window or the image on the rooftop. No, no, no. So, I think she saw the image on the rooftop and then found it and then saw it again. Is that the, in, is that the way it played uh, out? The, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Cause cause in the book, uh, I don't think, uh, she finds the image of Quentin until well after she's already seen the image of the ghost. You know, it's funny that you say people are still arguing about that because I don't know. I don't know how you would back up one point of view versus another i mean basically it, it would be all kind of opinion and speculation and that, and that would be the basis for your argument yeah because they really they i mean they they, they gave plenty of uh hints uh but none were specific as to which you know which frame of mind is correct right and uh, I, you know i like that i you know let's leave it that way why why bother fighting it out let's just in, i mean enjoy the movie think about it like that i you know i'm not gonna I, I after watching it, I, I I saw the different points of view, and I didn't think that one was head and shoulders above the other. So you know, it could have been whatever. No, I, I, I just think it makes for it makes for an interesting argument. But yeah, like we we've talked, you and I have talked uh, amongst ourselves. You know, it's the Superman Hulk thing. You know, who's going to beat up who? It really does in the long term. It really doesn't matter. But <laughs> and it really, but, but, it, yeah, but okay, it's, so, it is a fun argument to kind of go through and you know for the well, sake of argument. For the I see argument for the sake of argument, and it's made for a lot of fucking you know people getting their fucking um, you know their master's thesis. <laughs> but other than that, oh, uh, that's great. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I just love this movie. I think it's a. Uh, Aside from being beautifully shot, this the story is just so fucking interesting. It, it's a take. We aside from the fact that this movie gets remade every like three years, uh, it's, it's a story that uh, I don't think they've really come up with a, a good story that kind of equals it as far as uh, complexity. Well, so what would you say are the biggest differences between the film and the book? Uh, the main difference, I would say. 
Well, the the book is told from the governess's point of view. Uh, it's all first uh-huh. person. Uh, somebody has discovered her journal. So, ah. And it actually, I mean, it, it ends where the movie ends. And so it, it sticks very close. But what you have, the, the, the language is very flowery, very complex. Um, mm-hmm. And, but she'll throw... That's, and that's why I think there's the argument has lasted so long among you know scholars of the story of what what the meanings are and what's going on is because like she'll use like the way she describes miles one day versus the way she describes him the next there's you you can really it's it's the language that is used more to kind of give you a better insight into her mindset. She's more mm-hmm. at an adversarial relationship with Miles. She really thinks ah. that Miles is the key to this. And if she can just get alone with him, then, uh, you know, it's the same kind of thing that we ended up with towards the end of this movie. Right. But it's played mm-hmm. out a little bit differently in the, in the book because, uh, you know, she never asks him why he got expelled from school or she never brings up Quint. None of that stuff is ever brought up. So she's left to speculate and she'll talk about how beautiful he is and at the same time mention something terrible about him. And then he has this kind of control over her. They're playing mind games with each other about two-thirds of the way through the book. They're playing mm. these mind games where he's like almost daring her to contact the uncle just because uh, he's got this mindset that he doesn't belong there as a young man or a young boy. Uh, stuck in a house with a, a grown woman all the time. And he he's kind of got a little bit of Quint and a little bit of uncle in, his uncle in him. And mm-hmm. uh, so there, there's a lot going on. And then uh, with that dynamic is the big thing about two-thirds of the way through the book that propels the rest of it. Uh, you know, they did, like you said, they did go into that a little bit in the movie, but I think that would have been interesting to see a little bit more of it. You know, I mean, because, I mean, there was even one point when he's like, yeah, I feel like the man of the house, yada, 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 and uh, I thought that it could have gotten really extra weird from there yeah, on out. It, it, yeah, it looked like it could have been heading somewhere very, very bad. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what actually I was thinking of, and I was thinking, oh, crap. But yeah, that, How come I... <laughs> but yeah, that, that undertone, I mean, that... That undertone is there uh, throughout, and but but like I said in the book, it becomes more of an adversarial thing. Him playing mind games with her, or at least she uh-huh. thinks he is. So, and again, all the ambiguity is there in the book, if not even more so. Well, if it uh, fleshed out some of these uh, scenes, because because she felt that way that that he could have been messing with her the whole time too that, you know she's actually thought at one point that maybe both the kids were so i wonder if they fleshed it out a little bit more in the book that would have i guess, that would have been fairly interesting you know because i would have i mean i i could have seen it, i could see it going that way in the movie it just it just didn't yeah and um the the thing with it all being told you know being her journal and being told from her point of view uh, you, you've got the, the, you know, that plot device, the unreliable narrator, narrator. Right. So, right. you know, you're not really sure, you know, is the kid really trying to mess with her? Or is this just her perception of things? 
you know, exactly. when, when, you know, the way he like puts his arm in hers, she makes a big deal out of it because it's, he's trying, you know, she sees it as a threat to her authority and he's mm-hmm. making a power play and he's going to drag the uncle into it and he's daring her to do this. No, is he really? Who who knows? This is because it's all from her perception. It's, right. it's really pretty fascinating, and it's a it's a short short book. It is in the public domain. Uh, you can get it uh, well at the uh, Project Gutenberg, or if you're into the audiobooks, uh, you can download the free audiobook at LibriVox. Cool, awesome. I think actually I'll do that. I got my new Sony reader. Oh, did you? Sweet. I'm, I might download that. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. So. All right. You got anything else to say about the movie? I I, I think I that think we've uh, covered it pretty well. I I, I was gonna say I think that uh, definitely I would I would recommend this to uh to to anybody out there. I would just make sure that uh, that I, I think that I have you, that I ha- I was happened to be in the right mood to watch it. You know, uh, just just to kind of uh, it's a cerebral thing. It's not a. It's not something that you can. I think go in and out with it. You know, maybe uh, I, the first time I watched, it, I start. I was watching a basketball game at the same time. It didn't work. No. I actually, I actually started watching. I just started it over uh, when I had more time to do it. So. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. This I mean, is maybe you have to sit down and commit to the watching it, and you know, it it is slowly paced. It well. Like to say it's deliberately paced, uh, slow, slow, very meticulous. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it lays out piece by piece and leaves you to try to put the pieces together. And uh, in the end, you're you know you still don't know for certain, but it's a it's an interesting ride and uh, actually kind of fun trying to figure out uh, you know where the truth lies. Yep. That's because you like to argue. Just, uh, just yeah, I do. Well, just with you because <laughs> you're a little bitch. Oh, I bet that felt good. It, it did. I bet Thank that you. felt good coming out of your yes. Hey, man, well, thanks for nicotine. coming on, man. Oh, anytime, yeah, you do. my friend. You do. <laughs> anytime, well, my friend. T- how about every other week um, with a new classic movie? Hey, why don't we do that? That's a great idea, Michael. <laughs> I can't believe I just came up with that. You are a genius. I take back what I just said.
Welcome to the first installment of Slasher Central, brought to you by the Dark Hours Horror Podcast. Hey, you want a beer? Or do you want to smoke some pot? We love premarital sex! First, I'd like to thank Mike from the Immortal Cadaver Lab podcast for giving me a couple minutes of the show to talk about my favorite subgenre of horror, that of the slasher genre. Today, we're going to be talking about a lesser-known slasher film from 1984 entitled Girls Night Out, directed by Robert Dubel. Let's get into the synopsis. Amid the wild sorority parties, scavenger hunts, and basketball games, a psychotic killer dressed in an eerie bear suit starts picking off coeds. Nobody is aware of the danger except for the local campus security guard, Jim McVeigh, whose daughter was murdered years earlier by the homicidal maniac, Dickie Kavanaugh, who is now locked away in a mental institution. Could it be that Dickie has returned? <laughs> Tell these little mucus membranes about Dickie Kavanaugh. Uh, what do you mean, Dickie Kavanaugh? In many ways, he was a lot like you boys. He was young, semi-literate. He was an American. Then one night, they took old Dickie out into the woods. Dickie came back. His mind just kind of stayed out there. They had to take him up to the loony bin in old Weston Hill. He's been there ever since, just screaming and hollering all night long. <laughs> Think about it, fellas. Now, if you listen to the Dark Hours Horror Podcast, you'll know that I am a horror geek, and I love to talk about the casts of horror movies and where they've been, and the cast of Girls' Night Out is pretty interesting. One of the big names for the cast is Hal Hallbrook as Jim McVeigh, the security guard. And if you're not familiar with Hallbrook, he has had a very big, wide, expansive career. He is very, he's an older man. He was born in the 20s. And his biggest role to date, I would probably say, or at least his most famous role in our genre, would be Father Malone in The Fog. Now, heading out the cast is Julia Montgomery. She played Lynn Connors in Girls' Night Out, but she's most famous for Betty Childs in the Revenge of the Nerds movies. Then there's James Carroll as Teddy Ratliff, the leading man in Girls' Night Out, and he also played in another slasher called He Knows You're Alone. 
And then there is Radyana Alda as Barney, the local barmaid. She starred in the classic When a Stranger Calls, which was just remade a couple years ago in horrible fashion from what I've heard. <laughs> I haven't really wanted to see it. She also starred in Larry Cohen's The Stuff. But really, my favorite person in the entire cast would have to be Lauren Marie Taylor. Now, that name may not ring a bell, but she played the ill-fated Vicky in Friday the 13th, Part 2. Mark? Mark? Mark, where are you? Is anybody still here? Sandra? Jeff? Now, Vicky was the girl in the brown panties, the hideous brown panties, who was hitting on the dude in the wheelchair, and she was in her panties for a good 10 to 20 minutes. Friday the 13th Part 2 had a lot of good-looking chicks, but I would say that Vicky was a little different. She was a little bit more cute, not as promiscuous, not as glamorous, but I get ahead of myself and off the beaten path. Let's talk about the movie. Girls' Night Out is, again, like I said, a lesser-known slasher movie. You might have heard of it. You might not have. The reason is is that it's not a great slasher movie by any means, but I think it is entertaining. The movie starts out pretty creepy with a giant scene in an insane asylum where we get to see this guy hang himself. We don't know who hung himself, and it is a jump scare when it happens. It's a very effective opening and gets us right into the movie. Then the movie really slows down for the first, I'd say, 30 to 45 minutes and really sets up its characters. These characters are interesting. To me, they are all cliches. I mean, there's the jocks, there's the the cheerleaders, there's a nerd there, and there's not really some great acting in the movie, but... The movie takes its time setting up these characters and it has really nice, intimate scenes like this one. Hey, I think I heard something outside. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh! oh, God, I feel so much better. You are a gross thing. Smell that baby. That's a winner. Thing. What do I see mm. in you? Hey, who else could give you odorama? <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, a lot of the first 30 to 45 minutes of Girls' Night Out is soap opera. We have a guy that's just broken up with his girlfriend. We have another guy that's cheating on his girlfriend. Blah, blah, blah. It's not high art. It's not drama. But for a slasher movie, I really enjoyed it because I come from the old school of Halloween where I actually enjoy watching characters and getting to know characters and liking the characters before they're knocked off. There also is two pretty wacky characters called the Foos Brothers in the movie, which are pretty interesting to watch. I mean, they're borderline. I I would have thought that these two guys were uh, lovers in the movie coming from a modern perspective, but really they're just a couple of crazy guys in the movie. And the backdrop of the movie is this scavenger hunt that is being run by the local college radio station. So the DJ is there in the movie, and he's reading off these clues that people have to follow to find these special 
the special things that are littered throughout the campus. And the first sorority or fraternity to find all of the items in this scavenger hunt gets a cash prize. Well, the killer in the movie finds the list of items and then he heads everybody off at the pass and therein lies a pretty neat element in the film. A couple things that worked for me was obviously Hal Hallbrook. He is excellent, just a great actor and really interesting to watch. Now, a fun fact about star Hal Hallbrook is that he shot all of his scenes in one day. His footage was edited into the film to make it seem like he was interacting with the other cast members, but really his footage was shot separately. Another interesting fact is that his son actually plays one of the red herrings in the movie. His son is David Hallbrook, and you can really tell the likeness between the two, although I don't think his son David really got the acting chops in the family. So Hal Hallbrook really slumming it. Kind of like Donald Pleasance in Halloween, except that, well, (laughs) Girls' Night Out is no Halloween by a long stretch. And then there's Lauren Marie Taylor from Friday the 13th, which I mentioned before. And I really liked seeing her again. I enjoyed her in the movie, although she doesn't last long, unfortunately. Spoiler alert, but really, this is a slasher movie. Most of the people you see don't make it to the last reel. Now, one of the best things about this movie, though, is the really bizarro ending. I wouldn't say that this ending is on par with Sleepaway Camp. It's not a shock ending. It's just bizarre. And when it comes, it really hits you right upside the head. At least it did for me. It just makes very little sense. It's really weird. And then the credits roll, and there's this really creepy music playing. Now, let's talk about the killer of the movie. I haven't mentioned this yet, but this is basically the biggest part about the movie. You're either going to run with this or you're going to turn against the movie pretty much right away when you see the killer. The killer is wearing a giant bear suit in the movie, basically the mascot of the basketball team in this college. And what he does is he fashions this this set of knives, kind of like Freddy Krueger knives, and he... He basically wears them in the bear suit and uses them to strangle and or cut his victims. Now this, it's a mixed bag, this one, because the killer is wearing a bear suit and he's using knives in his hand and gripping somebody's throat and and strangling them, which of course really just doesn't work. He wouldn't be able to grab their throat if he's also holding this, basically what looks similar to a set of brass knuckles. It actually makes no sense. But the killer is pretty creepy at times. There's a juxtaposition where you're seeing this goofy bear costume, but the killer is saying these horrible things when he kills people. Bitch! Pay that price! You whore! And you can really feel and hear the rage from this killer. So... I don't know. This uh, this bear suit is both a strength and a flaw in the movie. So it is really creepy when you see this killer and hear him attack. And he also has these creepy phone calls that he that he makes to the DJ throughout the movie. Dickie is out, and Jamie is number one. <laughs> nice talking to you. So. 
you know, it works and it doesn't. Now, one of the big killers of the movie, which is going to turn off a lot of people right away, is the pace. As I said, for the first 30 to 40 minutes, there's a lot of character setup, a lot of talk, a lot of exposition, and this is either going to turn you off or you'll enjoy it. I I thought that the characters and the kids that played the characters were engaging enough that I enjoyed them and... I don't know if I cared enough that I was like, didn't want to see him die, but it was fun. It was fun genre. Again, this pace really is, it, it lags. I mean, there's not a kill until 12 minutes in. And even then, you can see that it was just placed there because probably the producers at this point by 1984 knew they had to deliver the goods, which is killing in a slasher movie. So the first kill in the movie at 12 minutes is pretty obligatory. Now, there's hardly any gore in this movie. There is no nudity. So a lot of the staples that you come to expect from slashers are not here. So why do you hear a positive tone to my voice? Well, I enjoyed the movie. I really thought it was fun. It does suffer from some pacing issues and what I call scream syndrome, which is there's a bunch of red herrings in the movie. Who could the killer be? It's really obvious that it's none of them. It's The, the movie tries really hard But the reason you know it's none of them is because it's trying too hard. And then there's the special effects. As I said, there's no gore. And when you do see blood, it looks bright, bright red. Almost like uh, you would notice in giallos or movies from the 70s before they really got a hold of the right concoction to make blood look good. But hey... I enjoyed the movie, and if you're a slasher whore, you will too. You're you're nothing but a bunch of slasher whores. To close out the review, I just wanted to give a couple dark facts. Uh, The film's trailer was shot years after the movie itself was. It's interesting because it features a scantily clad young woman in bed talking about how weird things have been happening lately while short clips of the movie play. The actress never actually appeared in the actual film, though. This is kind of interesting because the film was shot in 1982 under the title The Scaremaker. It didn't see a release until 1984 when distributors picked it up and renamed it Girls' Night Out to play up the lurid angle for the marketing instead of The Scaremaker. And to be honest with you, that's a horrible title. If you get the DVD, one of the special features on the DVD is seeing the original title sequence, The Scaremaker. And again, I just... (laughs) I'm so glad they didn't pick that out. Girls' Night Out is a little bit more catchy. Now, this movie is definitely, you know, lesser known, but you can find it. I looked on Amazon. It's available to purchase for under $15. It's available at Netflix. There's no place that I can see where it's streaming, but I'm sure there are ways to get it. So check it out. I would definitely give Girls' Night Out a recommendation from the dark hours. You know what really turns me on? I love to be scared. But lately, things are getting weird. I don't want to be here. I want to go over right now. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. No one has seen Janie. And now Kathy's missing. I wonder if they're with that kinky maniac we saw at the party last night. All these weird and kinky things have really got my motor running. What can you expect on a girl's night out? Welcome to a night of total terror. 
when his bloody scalpel probes the forbidden secret of a woman's flesh. The dead who live on living flesh. Hi, this is Aaron with a with what I hope is going to be the first of several segments focusing on horror and exploitation in the public domain. Uh, I figured this week we would start out with just a quick rundown of some of the bigger, major distributors that you can find DVDs uh, from that are that feature public domain movies. Of course, you can always download a lot of these for free at archive.org, but if you want to have the DVDs and watch them at your house or whatever, this is the way to go. Uh, the first one I ever came in contact with was Brentwood Home Entertainment. They usually put out uh, two, four, and ten packs of movies, which usually had one movie on each side of the DVD. Uh, the transfers were pretty good. Now, when I say pretty good, I mean pretty good by public domain standard. We're not talking remastered or anything, but they were widescreen when available and not too bad. I never really had any audio problems, that kind of thing. Um, like I said, they were around for a while. They've been I've been getting their stuff since uh, well, mid '90s, late '90s probably. Uh, that's where I first got my copy of Pieces. They they had a set that had an uncut copy of Horror Rises from the Tomb. So you know they they were pretty good at that kind of thing. Um, the next company, the one that really got me into it, was uh, Mill Creek Entertainment, which came out in the I believe 2001. And they uh, put out 4, 10, 20, 50, 100, and 250 movie packs. And really, if you need to get a lot of public domain movies right now, they are the way to go. Um, They usually have uh, the 50 and 100 packs are usually uh, double-sided DVDs with two movies on each side. Uh, transfers are a mixed bag. I mean, I don't think they do anything special to, to help these out. I've seen a lot of uh, things that look better than I expected. Bloody Pit of Horror, for instance. Uh, not horror, but uh, The Street Fighter. Those are really good transfers. Of course, some of the ones that you get from like the 30s aren't that great, but I don't think it's anything they're doing. I just think it's, the movies are old. Uh, they have lots of uh, horror collections. If you like classic horror, they have the... Uh, actually, well, aptly titled Horror Classics, which has some legitimate classics like uh, Mind of the Living Dead, Dementia 13, House on Haunted Hill, Carnival of Souls, but then they have some schlocky classics also, Last Woman on Earth, Attack of the Giant Leeches, The Brain That Wouldn't Die, The Killer Shrews, that kind of thing, which I like, but a lot of people... You know, that didn't grow up with late night creature features aren't really that fond of, but if if you're listening to this, you'll probably like them. And they also have sort of more modern, and when I say modern, I mean 60s, 70s, 80s kind of things, like more uh, drive-in, greenhouse kind of things, and you can find those on like the Chilling Classics and the Drive-In Classics. There's a new one that just came out called Gorehouse Greats, which is pretty good. I'm working my way through that. It's mostly the Crowd International Pictures things, uh, which are good um, for the most part. And, uh, of course, there's the they also have the sci-fi and Nightmare Worlds, which are billed as science fiction, but there's a few on Nightmare Worlds. There's, there's a few horror, uh, horror flicks that are stuck in there that, uh, that I would recommend. Werewolf Woman is great. I mean, if you like nudity and blood, can't go wrong with Werewolf Woman. Uh, and there's uh, Panic, which is a 
a uh, an Italian sci-fi gore fest, and there's a Alien Carnage, which I did on my now defunct Dollar Movie Drive-In, which is kind of an alien ripoff. We've got people exploding all over the place. So if you if that sounds like something you'd want to see, then that would be good for you. So Milk Creek, highly recommended. Also on a side note, their customer service is great. I got a set which uh, had some scratch discs. I called the guy up. He he sent me the replacement discs plus a couple of actual uh, twenty packs that I hadn't ordered. So that was great. Um, so like I said, the only thing with Mill Creek is sometimes you will get the only bad really downside besides the transfers, which I like I said you can expect to not be great. Uh, is that sometimes you'll get an edited TV print, but I don't think it's anything they're doing on purpose. I think they basically just throw whatever they can find onto a disc and sell it. Uh, like the the their copy of Evelyn, uh, the night Evelyn came out of the grave is edited. All the nudity and the uh, the torture scenes are gone. However, you can find an intact copy of that on my next company, uh, Sinclair Vision. They released a, uh, an unedited copy of that on their Horrorlicious. Uh, compilation. They're the ones you'll see uh, like in Kmart or Walmart that'll say like 12 hours of entertainment or whatever or 18 hours or whatever it is, but they do a lot of like martial arts sets. They do, then they have several horror sets though that, that are pretty good. Uh, what I like about them is they uh, they actually have a special uh, special feature or two on theirs. They're not anything major, but they'll have like a little documentary on one disc. They're usually three disc sets. So you usually have a documentary on one set, maybe a poster gallery on another set, and something else on the third on the third disc. So um, unfortunately, their movies are three movies per disc, so you know they're kind of more compressed. But like I said, uh, you get some unedited prints there. You find some stuff that aren't on the other ones. So those are good. Uh, the last major... I guess major player I'll come uh, I'll, I'll mention would be uh, Digiview, which are the ones you will see like at the dollar store or at the Walmart dollar bin. There aren't a lot of horror movies on this title, but you know basically they're one or two movies per disc, and then they're like a dollar. Like I said, transferism once again, what do you expect for a dollar? But they're not bad. Oh, I forgot to mention uh, Alpha Video, which has basically the same selection as everybody else. A lot of the Mill Creek stuff you can also get on Alpha Video. Alpha Video. The thing with Alpha is they have they have one movie per disc usually. They have they have great box art. It's usually a take on the original poster. Really good stuff. The only part about Alpha Video that sucks is they're basically the same quality transfers as everyone else, and you just get one movie per disc and it's like the cool box art, but their discs are like five dollars a piece. So unless you really like box art why pay $5 a piece when you can get the same thing like a 50-pack for 50 cents. So that's basically my rundown uh, as far as where to find these things. Um, basically, the the Brentwood things are on the store shelves, like in Best Buy. I used to be all over Suncoast, and Suncoast was still around. They're not so prevalent anymore. I'm not even sure if they're still around. I know they were involved with BCI somehow, and they all, that went out of business. So, but... Uh, you should still be able to find them online, though. Um, if you can find it, I'd recommend their uh, Horror Rises from the Grave, which has the uncut Horror Rises from the Tomb, uh, Peter Cushing's The Ghoul, Lucio Fulci's House, uh, House by the Cemetery under the name, uh, under the name 
Zombie Hell House and some other things. Like I said, it's, it might be out of print, but it was good. I don't have it now, unfortunately, but it's it's a good one. And then I would recommend, uh, recommend the uh, Bloodbath set, which includes uh, a couple other things which no one cares about. And uh, Pieces, which is a great schlocky slasher. And also uh, Mario Bava's Kill Baby Kill, so you can't go wrong with that. Uh, for Milk Creek Entertainment, basically anything that looks good, I would buy it. If it looks good to you, I enjoyed their uh, horror classics, drive-in movie classics, chilling classics. Night Screams has a few good things on there. Suspense has a couple good things, maybe. Uh, Suspense classics it has a Mario Bava's, or not Mario Bava's, but it has a... Mario Argento's Cat of Nine Tales. There's some other Argento flicks on the other ones uh, in the public domain. You can get Deep Red. You can get uh, Tenebrae on the drive-in set under the name of Unsane. Uh, you can get uh, Phenomenon under the name Creepers on the horror classic set. So lots of good things from Mill Creek. Um, I also like the, the uh, martial arts set, but like I said, that's not really the point here. Um and as far as the uh, the Digiview, like I said, Walmart, Alpha Video, you can get it at oldies.com. Uh, Mill Creek, you can get uh, basically my my best recommendation for Mill Creek is uh, Deep Discount DVD, the 50 packs. The 50 packs are, you know, like $15. Just a word of caution, if you're going to buy 20 packs, you might want to look and see if the same movies are on 50 packs because if you get the 50 pack, you're eventually going to buy the same thing over again. Um, and as far as the Sinclair Vision, I see those at a few stores, mostly Kmart, that kind of thing. You can also get those online for like $9. And uh, that's about it. So we are here 
and I have a new fantastic kid ever left. It is Johnny. How's it going, man? Pretty good. How's it going, dude? Nah, not bad. So, um, how's it feel to be on the Cadaver Lab? I mean, got a got a big shoes to fill. Oh, I know, man. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just kidding with you. This will be cool. Um, this is my favorite podcast, man. It's good to be on it. Well, now now it is, right? You know, <laughs> before you didn't have to lie to us. You, I mean, yeah. you didn't have to lie to us until now, but shit, I just listened to the last episode. That was my first one. My first one. Oh, well, we're glad we're glad you finally found us. <laughs> Well, dude, why don't you take a minute to just uh, talk about yourself, let it, let everyone know who uh, who you are and and uh, uh, your background in horror and stuff, and talk about maybe if you want to talk about your uh, YouTube channel. Oh, okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, everybody will know me from the forums. Uh, this is Kruger, dude. But uh, also, I have the YouTube page Kruger Nation, and basically, I do the movie reviews on there. But uh, pretty much been a horror fan since about four years old when my parents, you know. For some reason, showed me the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. At four years old, the second one. I saw part two first. Oh, okay. Well, that that's okay then, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there were a lot more zany moments. Yeah, but uh, no, man, I've just been a real big horror fan, and uh, I think I've been a listener for about a year and a half now. Well, I'll bet, I'll bet everybody knows who you are, really. I mean, because I mean, with between voicemails and forums and stuff, everybody knows who you are, man. Well, I just want people to know, also, I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. I'm not trying to replace Sam. Because I, <laughs> I don't want people to think that, who's this asshole? Well, well, well okay, so here's the deal, though. I, I, everyone needs to understand that basically, I mean, as I was thinking about what to do, I, I, I hit Johnny up and said, hey, man, do you want to be on the show? So it's not like, you know, you were trying to inch in on Sam's, on Sam's uh, turf or anything, man. You know, Whatever, dude, I was like an eagle, man. I was waiting. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no. Well, now we're glad to have you, man. This, this should be. I think. I think we'll do a. I think it'll end up being uh, a pretty solid uh, show. Uh, you know what? The thing is, is one thing um, that will be different is that you are not a noob. Oh no, dude. So I mean, I, it, it'll be good not to have to. Uh, it's funny because whenever whenever Sam makes a mistake, it's okay. But whenever I made a mistake, Sam couldn't correct me, and so I got all sorts of hate emails. I'm looking at you, Brian, from Drunken Zombie. Actually, that was, that was a hate tweet. So, is there such things as that? I guess. Dude, I get them all the time on Twitter. Oh, man. Twitter's harsh. People are a-holes on there, man. <laughs> like, I, you know what gets me on Twitter? The people that make a point of following you, but then you talk to them and they never respond. Really? Yeah, I get that a lot, dude. I don't really start any conversations. Every once in a while, I'll start some crap, you know, like like the other day. I won't say what I said, but you know, the, the uh, <laughs> I remember was, that the State of the Union was on. It was last yesterday. Start decided to start some crap. It actually spilled over into Facebook, and it was a big it was a big deal. Twitter is a place for douches, and I am a douche. So there you go. Exactly, you're just drawn there naturally. <laughs> it gives me that internet anonymity that I really need because. Um, Apparently, I have insecurity issues, and I really just need to lash out at people because I'm really mad how small my penis is. <laughs> just vent on Twitter. Exactly, man. Well, hell, just go on YouTube, dude. That's what anybody, everybody does on YouTube, man. They just go on there and trash people for no reason. Um, would it? Would I have to put my small penis on it? Um, you could actually put that. Just as long as you type "small penis" in all caps, they'll get your point. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I, I don't even know what that means. I'm just being stupid now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So um, I don't know. Have you, uh, have you uh, seen any good horror lately? Before we get going, 
Uh, no, actually, um, I went and saw Book of Eli, and that had, I, I think for post-apocalyptic, it actually had some good horror themes. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, dude. There was, uh, I wouldn't say gore, but there were some really good, uh, you know, beheadings and things. It looks like there might be some action in it. Oh, dude, Denzel, I mean, he did uh, basically what Liam Neeson did in Taken. He, he proved himself as a badass. Oh, I, I actually really like Taken. Yeah, that was awesome, man. Yeah, because uh, anybody, to have the balls to say somebody, to, to somebody across the ocean, something like, you know, you, you have to do this or I'm going to kill you and, like, come through on your word, man, that's bad. And uh, be Liam Neeson and say that because I never thought of him as being any kind of badass. Well, especially since Qui-Gon. <laughs> Come on, really? Yeah. Well, that's like the only Jedi I kind of hate. You know. <laughs> but he resembled. I, he resembled uh, like a flower child of the seven or the sixties. It's like I'm gonna kick your nondescript goatee butt. No, anyway, that was rude. That was rude. Plus, he was, actually... he was in the worst Star Wars there is. Oh my god, dude! All <laughs> those those three were just garbage. <laughs> hey, I did I did uh, actually hit up a clo- a going out of business DVD sale. Oh, what'd you pick up? Uh, dude, I, I picked up uh, Dead Girl, Wrong Turn 3, which I hear is shitty, but I picked up for two bucks. You know, I've seen, uh, I've seen Wrong Turn 3. I did see Wrong Turn 3. I saw, the, I saw like, the first 20 minutes of it, and um, uh, I'll just tell you, there's boobs. Hey, you know but what? That's, can't, hey, that can't, draws can't me Can't be all bad. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, the movies that we're going to talk about tonight, uh, there were none. I know! What what was up with that? Not one memory, dude. You know the funny thing is, is like I, I did I choose did I choose these? Yeah, I think I I did. You did. I mean that was that was some kind of Freudian issue where I, you know, apparently I don't like them very much. I think (laughs) I think this is actually the first will be the first episode of the Cadaver Lab where we there will be none. Well, Samless and Boobless. (laughs) Boobless. (laughs) <laughs> no, dude, I uh, <clears throat> I ended up picking up, uh, De- what is it, uh, Midnight Movie and uh, Lord of Illusions. It's oh, I haven't seen that in a long time. Well, I mean, and all the movies were like two bucks or less, so that's, I mean, they were all in pretty good condition, too. Oh, really? Like, oh, oh so yeah. they were, were they the ones that people rented out? Yeah, but, uh, oh, okay. but they let you, because they're going out of business, they actually let you check the discs. Oh, cool. So, but that's pretty much it. I mean, I, we picked up like 17 DVDs. There, there are so many people right now that are excited that Blockbuster's going out of business because of uh, because of deals like this. I I went to one a little while back and I actually picked up a movie called oh, what was it called A Mexican Werewolf in Texas or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but it was <laughs> I've never heard of it. It doesn't even sound good, but you know what? It was like it was three bucks. <laughs> I'm gonna buy that. Yeah, you can't go wrong with a movie called that. <laughs> actually, you know what's funny is it's in the Cadaver Lab price pile right now. That's awesome. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't even watched it yet. You're not but, even gonna watch uh, it. You're just gonna pawn it off on someone. <laughs> I'm gonna give away the good stuff. Hey. Yeah. Well, you I know sh- what though? Like Blockbuster <laughs> and Hollywood Video. And I'll I'll say this about Hollywood Video. That's the one I hit up. They mm-hmm. actually um they actually had a pretty good selection. Whereas Hollywood Vi- or uh, Blockbuster, man, they they just have the pretty mainstream horror movies. You know, it's funny because. If there for a while I would move around. I mean, this is before Netflix. I mean, you know, I was I was barely, barely I, I mean, I was probably in my uh, 22 or something. And I uh, been I moved around from place to place, you know, because I didn't have any family or anything like that. And I would go to the local blockbuster, and literally they in their whole horror section in the new one there would be like two or three that I hadn't already seen, and most of them I already owned. 
So it, it was just such a pain in the balls to go there because it's like you look around for 20 minutes, realize you're going to have to watch a movie that you've already seen, and yeah, it's so fun. Nah, That's dude. why I'm glad Netflix showed up because I mean, I mean, not to not to like you know love Netflix or anything, but I do not to give them a a free promotion or whatever. But I mean, they they have a freaking great selection as compared to the other options out there. Netflix.com. <laughs> We'll give a plug there. I'm gonna get a dollar. I'm gonna get a dollar for every time we say that. I didn't <laughs> that'll, tell that'll you. That'll work out. They're now our sponsors, whether they know it or not. Oh, and uh, <laughs> well, anyway. Well, no, that's the reason you go to some uh, place like Blockbuster, and you when you end up owning half the movies, you end up running like an asylum movie. Exactly. You end up getting Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Oh, dude, what? There, there was a there was a, a movie studio. That I would not. What was that called? Is it called Brain Damage? It is, dude. Brain is that damage. a movie? Yeah, you were oh talking my about gosh. that. That is the worst movie studio. I saw. You know, I don't know what they've done since probably, you know, five six years ago. But but I swear to you, I rented two or three. I think one. I think one from them was Ankle Biters about midget vampires who were out in the day. It was unbelievably bad. As, as good as that sounds, actually, it was really bad. Were there girl midget vampires? I, you know, I don't even remember. I don't think we made it too far into it. I think my, I think my wife uh, abused me, uh, you know, too much uh, with all her insults. So I, we turned it off. <laughs> yeah, I actually, speaking of a, uh, you know, independent movie studios, I picked up actually a few Full Moon movies. Oh, dude, I love Full Moon. Oh yeah, they're awesome. I picked up The Dead Hate the Living, uh, uh-huh. Witch House, and I think Witch House too. Oh really? Uh, you know, I don't know if I've seen the Witch House ones. Actually. I haven't. I haven't seen those either. I've seen uh, the Dead Hate the Living. I I kind of like that. I've seen that good. one too. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I have their. Uh, I have their their box set with all their originals. Man, I busted through that in the few, first few days. I that showed up at my house, autographed by Charles Band. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember how I got it exactly. It was some screaming dealer else. I probably wouldn't have done it. But anyway, Charles that's Band. What, that's it. What's funny about that is <laughs> horror fans get excited about things like that, you know, autographed by Charles Band. I'll go to work and tell someone something like that. They're like, who the hell is that? Dude, so, yeah, I mean, it's pearls before swine, man. They, they don't know They don't know what's good. You know, I, I think that's their fault. Screw those guys, okay? Well, when, I, understanding. <laughs> when I went to the horror convention and I was showing people pictures of the uh, celebrities and stuff, you know, uh-huh. Nobody, you know, I'm sitting there trying to explain who these people are and why I'm so excited to meet, you know, Derek Mears and and right. Tyler Maine. <laughs> like, like, so he put on a mask and he chased people around. Uh, that's awesome. Thanks. Up yours, guys. I think it's yeah. pretty badass, man. Hey, that's what I live <laughs> for. I live for this shit. No doubt, man. Well, that's good. That's why you're on the show now. Hell yeah. That way, that way, I figure you can uh, you can uh, help me out with all my mistakes. <laughs> anyway. Or just edit them out. Well, and that's what I usually do, but that's if I catch them. And sometimes I'm not so, I don't catch them all. But uh, anyway, did I tell you I saw, uh, uh, oh my gosh, Day Daybreakers? No, I do, oh, I don't think so. Did you like that? No, it was good. Um, it was, I heard it was really dumb. So, and I, and I went and I saw it and it was, you know, it wasn't like the greatest movie of all time. But it was, I mean, it was definitely, I mean... It was definitely solid. I mean, I would, I would, I'm gonna buy it when it comes out on, on uh, DVD. I mean, that's how good it is. But um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was. It, it, like I said, it was, it was kind of a, 
it wasn't quite as bloody or as uh, like kind of brutal as I thought they were. In fact, I think I was reading an article about they basically what happens is these vampires they obviously they run out of blood. You you can see that in the trailer and whatnot of human blood. And the thing is, if if they get deprived of human blood, they start like morphing into these really evil Nosferatu looking you know uh, vampires, batty and all this stuff. And then um, they glitter. No, they don't. <laughs> they do not, unfortunately. And that was one strike I had against it. But I guess I, I, I stayed and I watched the whole movie despite that. Anyway, there was a lot of cool, they called them, I think, underworld, under, underworlders or something. I can't remember. But they, they were just kind of like crazy vampires. I wish they had more about that, uh, more, you know, action involving those guys. But I think I actually read in a rumor magazine saying that uh, they ran out of money. So that's kind of a bummer. But, you know, it is a pretty solid movie. I, I think I still like Undead a little bit better, which were uh, the Spirit Brothers' other movie of note, I guess. I don't actually don't know what, what else they've done besides um, Daybreakers and, and Undead. I think besides that, they've just done a bunch of production work. Oh, but, really? Man, Undead was awesome, man. The yeah. CG in that was incredible. Yep. Well, and for the budget and everything like that, I mean, even Daybreakers wasn't a huge budget movie, uh, but I, those guys just know what they're doing. I think they actually worked on... A lot of the, uh, and I guess I could be wrong, but I think I was reading that same article about how they did a lot of their own effects and stuff like that. It's, yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. I like the movie enough to actually read a full article about them. Usually I just look at the pictures in those magazines, all right? There's <laughs> only so much time you have while you take a dump, and some of those articles are just really long, all right? Get off my back. <laughs> hey, <All right. laughs> man, hey, you know, a movie like that, though, is pretty much, you know, it's a breath of fresh air in a world where movies about glittering vampires and things like that are popular because we need yeah, more movies yeah. we need more 30 days of night movies and daybreakers you know speaking of 30 days of night i i was going through FearNet, and uh, apparently they have you know you know that it was based off of a comic and i actually bought the comic signed by uh uh like the first three volumes in a box set and they were signed by ben templesmith and uh oh darn it that he was the artist and i can't remember the guy who wrote it, Is it steve, steve niles, niles? Yeah, steve niles, niles. yep yeah. And uh, anyway, so I read through those, and I was pretty stoked because actually, Thirty Days of Night, the 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 part that took place in Barrow, actually only is the first comic, only the first volume. And so, I mean, there's these other two, and there's there's even more after that. But I read the through the first three, and they're actually really good. Um, but so I was excited when I saw on Fearnet that they did a bunch of uh, I guess shorts, um, like like even three minute short, you know, little chapters, I guess, of a, of a, uh, some kind of a, uh, I don't, I don't know, maybe, I don't know what they were trying to do, if it was just a, a short movie or what, but basically, um, it was uh, 30 Days of Night, Dust Till Dust, and I actually read something about it, and said, oh, this is what takes place in New Orleans, which was in, even in the comics and everything, but apparently, and I didn't know this, but apparently, those are just kind of uh, bullshit, uh, ripping off the name type of deal, so I got kind of bummed out about that. I saw, the, I think, the second one, and I, I didn't really like it very much. Well, I was going to start it, but I threw it out there on Twitter, and everyone's like, no, no, it's 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 a waste of time, so, yeah, whatever. Plus, it, I couldn't find it anywhere where it was all stuck together, so they were like four minutes long, and the first minute of every single one was like the intro, and, and it was a pain in the ball, so I didn't do anything about it. I think they just finished uh, filming the sequel. Oh, really? Yeah, it's got a Dior Baird in it. The hottest chick on the planet. Yeah, I was gonna say you love her. I, oh, she, uh, there's no other woman hotter than her to me. Uh, I actually, I, I actually, except for Shelly. Uh, yeah, except except for uh, my girlfriend Shelly. Right. Okay. <laughs> She's gonna kick my ass, dude. Yeah. 
Um, I was like, oh yeah, I went to your, uh, I went to your MySpace page today. I can't, what was I doing? I can't remember, but I was, uh, oh, I remember. I was just uh, uh, listening to some of your music, which by the way, people should go check out because it's awesome. But I was going there today and I was kind of just scrolling down your, uh, some of the things you posted. And that was a pretty hot picture over there you got there. Oh yeah. And that's, did you see the one I put on the, the, the uh, forum? Oh, you know, I haven't been to the forums and I mean, I've been on and off real quick, but so much stuff's been going on that it's like, damn it, I, I haven't been able to spend as much time as I'd like to. Dude, I but put I a picture. It was from the production of Night of the Demons, the remake. Oh, and sh- she's in that. Yeah, and she's. You know, she's I'm looking this, forward to that. I think it's gonna be pretty good. Well, I, 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 I mean, I wouldn't. It's. I don't think it's gonna win any Oscars, but come on, I think it's gonna be fun. The unfortunate thing about the the remake is it's slated for the first week of February to get released, and I haven't seen a preview at all. This year. Yeah, like in the next week or so. Wow. So that means it's either going direct to DVD or it's just it's just going straight to like I don't know the Dollar Theater or something. Honestly, that I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care because you no, know. dude. Hey, that's cool. Hey, dude, I have a that's my wallpaper on my phone is Dior Baird. Oh really? You oh, yeah. you're, you really like her, huh? Oh yeah, dude. That picture well, she, of the Night of the Demons, man. She's wearing a corset and her freaking boobs <laughs> are touching her chin. <laughs> I mean, holy crap! Is, is she was in that? Was she in the uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning? Oh yeah. Oh sure. Okay, that's where I remember her from. She uh, was just in Stan Helsing. Oh yeah, I didn't. I I uh, actually didn't catch that. Believe it or not. It's you know it's it's a good little horror parody. It's better than the scary movie kind of movies, even though it's by the same producer, I think. Oh really? Yeah, but uh, it's you know it's it's not. It's not great, but I got it for like eight bucks, so. Well, screw it. Yeah, Good and it has, I'll buy anything with her in it, man. <laughs> I'm serious. They should have charged you more. Should yeah, have I was sent like, you through like the Diora Baird lover style. Are you, sure, you sure this price is right on this DVD? <laughs> <laughs> because I would, I would spend eight dollars a boob on this movie. <laughs> man. Well, that right. Night of the Demons remake, dude, I mean, it has like five, Stacked chicks in it, man. Like every single one of them stacked. Oh no, no doubt. That's why. That's why I'm definitely looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> and and then it has some horror stuff too. What? Like demons and stuff? Oh, I don't like movies about that. I want stacked chicks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, just kidding. All right, man. You want to get into it? Oh yeah, let's do this. Do. Uh, okay, so today we were are going to be talking about uh, celebrity A-listers who either got their start in horror or who did some uh, quote un- have some quote unquote skeletons in the closet from doing horror movies in the past? You know what's funny is I was as I was uh, kind of doing a little bit of research to figure out who's been in what and whatnot. You know, I searched I, you know I just searched celebrities in horror movies. You know, Avis, whatever. It, it kind of was it pissed me off a little bit because all these websites were were just like all they were condescending and. Like these snobs about, oh my gosh, Tom, what's his name? Uh, Tom, oh my gosh, Turner and Hooch? Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks was in this movie before, and can you believe it? It's He should be so ashamed. It's like, you know what? Screw you guys, man. It's like, we, I mean, on obviously we understand why they start in horror. I mean, it's, um, you know, there's a shitload of low budget, you know, horror coming out with, and, and why not? You know, why not start in horror? It's marketable. If there was if there wasn't any horror, Tom Hanks would have done like uh, porn or something. I wouldn't want to <laughs> see Tom Hanks in porn. 
you know? Tuner, <laughs> Turner and Hooches. <laughs> That's really... <laughs> Him and a bunch of slobbering women. Uh, even though he did do that uh, that one movie, Bachelor Party, had had it had a lot of boobies in it, if I remember right. Oh yeah, dude, that movie is awesome. Now, now he's all respectful. You know what? I kind of hate. I kind of hate not to get off the subject. Kind of hate Tom Hanks ever since he got all respectable. I know, anyway, man. I'll my favorite. My favorite movie of all time has him in it, and it's hard to believe that's even Tom Hanks. What is it? Uh, favorite movie of all time, The Burbs. Oh yeah. Oh nice. <laughs> I know you don't even like Dante, dude. You want to like oh, yeah. kick him in the balls. No, well, Dante, you know, Gremlins is fine. I just hate that one Masters of Horror that he did. He can lick my nuts for that one. It was bad. <sighs> but I, I think that was like his, you know, I think every director is entitled to one or two pieces of crap, and that's, well, all, he's, that's all he's getting. Especially since it was a Masters of Horror, which most of those, like, well, I, I don't know if it's most, but a lot of those really sucked anyway. Yeah. Know, so it's like, yeah, if you're going to screw something up, that's where to do it, because people will forgive you, because the rest of them suck too, so. <laughs> Not really. I, I hate to bag on him. I, I enjoy him, but but anyway. Oh, so uh, you said you had a list of some uh, celebrities that, that started in horror? Yeah, and I try to stick with A-list celebrities because, you know, there are a lot of people who've been in a couple movies, but I try to stick with people who, a lot of them have been like Oscar nominees and stuff. You know what's funny is there's a lot of, I, I, as, I was, as I was searching for this, there's a lot of people who they claim that is, are so famous that I still have no idea who they are. But anyway, <laughs> like there was one girl that apparently was in the OC that started in some, and I've never even seen the OC. Oh yeah, Misha Barton, she was in the Sixth Sense. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, I have that. I was gonna put that on the list, but I don't consider her a celebrity. What? I don't. I've never even heard of her. Well, I think that's all she's done. That, and she's. I think she's a drug addict now or something. Oh, so I probably would like her a little better than that, huh? <laughs> hey, she looks like a crack whore, dude. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I mean she. Crack or, never mind. I won't even get into that. Well, she didn't follow that pattern at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> but there's some big yeah. ones, man. There's some. Uh, we got uh, people like Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, obviously people like Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Bacon. But right. I mean, but there's some you know really big names. You know Brad Pitt. He started out in Cutting Class. Yep. Which actually you know was a decent little slasher, but you know I, mean, I have not seen that one yet, unfortunately. It's pretty good. I mean Is it's. It? It it came out when they were making you know just a crap ton of slashers in the mid '80s. I freaking love all those crappy '80s slashers. Well, even the bad ones are entertaining. Exactly. Uh, speaking of crappy '80s slashers, what was that one that George Clooney was in? Uh, Return to Horror High. Return to Horror High. Yep. That was <laughs> a bad one. That, he, that was. I think he did that in Return of the, or Killer Tomatoes in the same year. Is that right? Yeah, he did that. He did uh, the second Tomato movie, didn't he? Yeah, Return. Yeah. That's so funny. Uh, oh, no, it says Attack of the Kill. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. But, um, no, I mean, it's funny because uh, um, even Clint Eastwood was in a movie called Revenge of the Creature. You know, I've never long, seen that. Long ago. I've never seen it either, you know. But it, <laughs> Je Jeff Goldblum was in Invasion, or, sorry, The Sentinels. Yeah, or, I'm the, sorry, The Sentinel. Yeah, he was in The Sentinel. That, 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 that's that a movie we ought to do. Yeah. Oh, that was I creepy, dude. I love that. In fact, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, I can't remember his name. But Chris Sarandon? Ro no, he's Rocky's trainer. Oh, uh, that, that old guy? Burgess Meredith? Burgess Meredith, dude. That guy, it was, I mean, I didn't know whether to laugh or just to, to be scared as hell at that guy in this movie, or in this sentinel. That was pretty funny. I liked that one. I thought the whole time he, he was walking around with, the, he had a, with like a canary and a cat. Uh -huh. I thought for sure that cat was going to eat that bird. 
<laughs> you were disappointed when it didn't turn out that way, I'm sure. No. Actually, I think I think later it did. Like, I don't even remember. That's why I'll have to do it, because I have to get into some those ones I haven't seen in forever. Dude, the funny thing about a lot of these celebrities that are in these horror movies is there are actually quite a few of them that did the really bad sequels. Like, you know, uh, DiCaprio was in Critters Part 3. Part 3, yeah. And then you had, like, Viggo Mortensen was in Leatherface, the third Texas Chainsaw. Yep. <laughs> Even Matthew McConaughey was in that, uh, what was it, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Oh, yeah, him and uh, Renee Zellweger. Yeah, I, I, you know, I actually really liked that movie. And did I you know really? Was, I know it was stupid. I know it. I mean, in my mind as I was watching it, I was like, this is dumb. But uh, I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. You know, the 90s, every, every kid in there had a bowl cut, if I remember, <laughs> you know. It's like, I had a bowl cut, come on. Gotta dude, love it. What are you saying, dude? Are they out of style? Uh, no. Uh. <laughs> May, uh, do you have a bowl cut? Listen, no. I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I haven't uh, worried about haircuts being in style in a while since I started shaving my head. So it's like, come on. <laughs> Whatever. Start going bald, this, the, the, that worry is out of my mind. You know, it's funny because uh, some a lot of these celebrities, some of them, you know, like you'll say Jamie Lee Curtis and... and, and uh, even Johnny Depp, he'll do, I mean, they'll come back to horror, but uh, there were some that you just don't see in horror ever again, and it's like you look back and you're like, how was he in a horror movie in the first place? Like like Jason Alexander, it was in The Burning. He, and like <laughs> he next hair in The Burning, won. too. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, the funny thing is, is he was still exactly George Costanza. You know, <laughs> if I remember right, uh, um... I mean, he had the same attitude and the same, the, he spoke the same way and everything. It's like, wow, unbelievable. But, uh, you know, and Jennifer Aniston, who was in uh, Leprechaun. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's, fu- that's funny. That's back when she had her nose. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, dude, she had that thing cut down. I don't even, I'm, I'm not cool. I, I don't keep up with things like that, apparently. At least not, not good enough. She had a schnoz like the cause. <laughs> <laughs> like the like Bill Cos. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, and uh, Ju- Julia Louis Dreyfus was in Troll. Oh my gosh, I have I have a list of probably like eighty people. Dude, I forgot about her being in Troll, and Sonny Bono was in Troll, but he was famous before that. <laughs> was um, you know House of a Thousand Corpses? Rain Wilson was in that. But I remember thinking that he was in stuff before that. Do you? Uh- I don't think I don't know I don't I don't remember anything before that I know he did that show Six Feet Under after after um what's it called oh yeah on HBO or whatever yeah he was in there he was the weird assistant at the morgue or whatever I've never seen it yeah it was one of those shows that started off good for a season or two and then it got too dramatic oh really yeah because it had humor when it first started and then it just went you know straight downhill uh-huh. uh huh my wife wanted me to make sure I mentioned Gerard Butler. Russell Mulcahy's Tale of the Mummy. She loves that guy. There's there's only one guy hotter in this world to her, and that's me. <laughs> at, at least that's what she tells me. You know, that's uh, funny. He was actually in a few other movies. Like uh, he was in Dracula 2000, and actually that's the first movie I ever saw him in, and I thought he was badass because I mean that that movie had its problems, but that was a, that was a kick-ass Dracula. Yeah, he was in uh, the Phantom of the Opera too. Oh, Rain, uh, Rain of Fire, and he was actually Beowulf, I think, in that CGI movie. Really? But, uh, yeah. Oh, I thought that was a stunt guy or something. Well, I don't know. It was his voice. That was it, so <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Uh, anyway, but we, we what did we pick three movies um, 
but they basically have somebody's first or very close to first starring role in it. And uh, so, uh, first of all, uh, most of these movies are, pr are pretty old. I mean, uh, at least, um, you know, at least, you know, 10 years, you know, whatever. But uh, did, did you like any one of these movies we talked about? We talked about, I... let's see, let me just say real quick, we did uh, The Devil's Reign, which came out in 1975. We did... Uh, a, Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town, and uh, which, by the way, I'd never seen before, and uh, I was really happy I finally saw it. And then uh, Bride of Chucky, which, which is doesn't seem that old, but I can't believe it's like twelve years old now. Anyway, oh yeah, it was it was strange because the music in it. I remember listening to a lot of those bands. Yeah, like, like uh, Rob Zombie started the whole thing off, and it has my I think it has my favorite. Uh, Monster Magnet song in there. Yeah, too. it was that was the second song in the movie. Yeah, it was. So what'd you think overall, though? I, I don't, I don't know if these were that great. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think Brian Chucky was the standout film, <laughs> but and it wasn't even <laughs> yeah. that great. But yeah, it, the thing is, is I kind of, I maybe we should just get into them. But I did like every one. I, I there were there were things in every one of these movies that I liked. Um, and uh, let's just get into talk about. The Devil's Reign. Cool. There have been films about earthquakes, airplane disasters, and blazing infernos. But there has never been anything like The Devil's Reign. His face. That wasn't your father. It was his face. <laughs> Mother? The Devil's Reign. The 300-year search for the power to damn mankind is over. And the towering terror of the devil on Earth is now unleashed. The Devil's Reign. Hundreds of souls held captive in an eternity of hell. Possessed by the devil. You, my son, have defiled all that is holy. Mother, my God, my God! They become his worshippers and his demons. Academy Award winner Ernest Borgnine, Eddie Albert, William Shatner, Keenan Wynn, and Ida Lupino as Mrs. Preston, and with the special participation of Anton LaVey, High Priest of the Church of Satan. The Devil's Reign, conceived by the producer of A Man Called Horse, created by the masters of magic of Planet of the Apes. 
Together, they bring you a melting hell on Earth. And absolutely the most incredible, unforgettable ending of any motion picture ever. Heaven help us all when the devils reign. Came out in uh, 1975. It was directed by Robert Fust, who, F-E-U-S-T. He did uh, Dr. Fives, Dr. Fives Rises Again. And uh, apparently after uh, reading a little bit in the wiki, uh, it basically said that he, that uh, a lot of people think that uh, this movie killed his career. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Oh, come on. Uh, let's see. It was written by James Ashton and Gabe Esso. Um, IMDb score. Did you look this up? Or did, or did do, I, I want you to guess? Um, if based off what I would give it, I would say a two point four. Oh man, are you kidding me? Three point six. <laughs> Come on, man, are you kidding me? Hey, I was pretty close. Uh, uh, it starred Ernest Borgnine as Jonathan Corbus, Tom Skerritt as Tom Preston, uh, William Shatner as Mark Preston. Uh, let's see who else did we have. John Travolta, and, that, and that's who we're highlighting in this one, because John Travolta was in it for probably a total of uh, 37 seconds or something. Dude, I and had to go it, back and Google Images ass, because I couldn't even find him in the movie. Are you serious? I that is it. It's that chin, man. He's got that chin. That's what my friend said. He said, look for the chin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got that, that, that big old dimple right there. That, you know, honestly, that's the only reason that I, that's the only way I saw him the first time. Um, Anton LaVey was actually in this movie. His you know family that? was. Yeah, I saw his family was in it, too. Oh, really? Yeah, his wife was the woman at the beginning. The woman at the beginning? Oh, really? Yeah, the one who uh, knocks over the guy holding the tray of, like, tea. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that was his wife. And it said another LeVay was in the movie, too. That is so funny. I wonder if there was some kind of a, uh, 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 what do you call it, uh, the, the Church of Satan says this is one of their uh, official movies to watch. I don't know. I didn't check it out or anything like that. This but, is their Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> this well, dude, is their version of that. Well, you know, what's funny is the other, uh, well, it's probably been a few months now. I was talking to um, uh, the the drummer of Die, Monster, Die, and he was telling me about this band. He's like, dude, you should check out the Quintessentials. I'm like, why? Dude, they are approved listening by the Church of Satan. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> oh, badass, you're right. But uh, so I, I mean, I went to their site and everything and was checking out all their approved stuff. And sure enough, it was there. Freaking Fantasia is approved watching of the Church of Satan. And but it's I, also approved by a bunch of LSD heads. Oh, dude. Come on. It's wicked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think it's, I just think that's pretty funny stuff. Anyway, uh, I guess we'll, we'll go through this even though he didn't like it, man. Uh, basically, the movie... Uh, takes place in uh, you know some kind of a desert area. Uh, the Preston family has basically had a curse on them ever since one of their ancestors betrayed a Satanist named John Corbis about 300 years, well, 300 years before uh, when this movie was made in 1975. Uh, but basically, Corbis is still uh, apparently back in the day they they supposedly killed him, and I'm spoiling this, I guess, a little bit, but I wouldn't worry too much about this getting spoiled. Uh, they burned him at the stake and, and whatever. But apparently he's just been alive and kicking for the last 300 years, and he's actually been collecting souls ever since uh, he was betrayed. Uh, unfortunately, he hasn't been able to send them all the way to hell because the Preston family has, I guess, kind of the key to that he needs to, to take him from where he's been storing him in a place called the Devil's Reign, which is some kind of a purgatory between this world and hell, where he's holding them. And basically what he needs to do is he needs to get this book 
that has all their names signed in blood, and he needs to uh, use that to finish the job and send everybody in the in the devil's reign, which, by the way, ends up just being like this large crystal ball that all you have to do is break. Anyway, I didn't. Did I? I should. Maybe that was just a, a big spoiler alert. But I don't, I don't think it matters, dude. I, I honestly don't either. Uh, anyway, basically, what happened is uh, uh, the movie starts off, and Corvus is kind of starting to go after the Preston family, because he knows that the Prestons have this book. Um, uh, let's see. And Mark Preston, who is played by William Shatner. I guess this was, I guess this was a film between the, the, ser- the Star Trek series ending and the movie, and, and the first movie coming out. Uh, so it was right, right in the perfect time to get Captain James T. Kirk, which, uh, man, has that guy only been able to act one way his whole entire life? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where the, uh, the parody comes from. But you know what's funny is uh, I guess it uh, apparently he thinks it works. You know I saw not to get off subject, but I was watching an episode of Raw Nerve with William Shatner. He is the same dude as on those orbits commercials. I swear to you, and he's being serious. Anyways, um, uh, basically what happens is it, or what happened is Corbis actually stole the soul of uh, they attacked Pres- the Preston household, stole the souls of like his mother and father. And uh, while these while these souls are in the devil's reign in this uh, in this uh, big giant crystal ball, basically their bodies are just almost like zombie zombie esque, except for it's like more like kind of the voodoo zombie kind, where they just kind of do Corvus's bidding. Uh, anyways, but uh, Mark Preston takes the book to Redstone, uh, the city where Corvus is at, and says, "Hey, you know, I'll challenge you to uh, a trial of faith, my faith against your faith." And Mark Preston loses and basically just becomes kind of one of these zombies and he gets this, this, uh, uh, his soul stolen and stored in the Devil's Reign. Which, by the way, is funny too because apparently it rains and so there's a lot of precipitation in this uh, crystal ball. Um, anyway, so uh, Mark's brother and his sister-in-law, who are, it's funny, I, it, it's kind of a, a funny side plot. They're actually working on how to legitimize ESP somehow in some kind of uh, an, uh, an academic uh, situation. Anyway, they uh, they hear about the family and they go to check it out. And um, I guess I guess basically the rest of the movie is is um, Mark's brother shows up with his wife and just and, try, and basically just tries to save everybody's life. And I guess we won't give the whole damn thing away, even though even though we we've given a lot away. But uh, the funniest the, the the funniest thing is. Is uh, so we had John Travolta. I think up to this point he'd only been in Welcome Back, Cotter, and uh, that he has one line. He's supposed to yell blasphemer, and they didn't even use his voice. That was him. Yeah, dude. I thought that was a chick. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I, a chick may have said it, but no. There was. I just started laughing my balls off because it's like, what? What is this? That is not his voice. But it was pretty funny. Well, they probably, you know, during the recording realized that he sounded goofy as hell. Well, they but... didn't want jo- Bob Barbarino. <laughs> hey, blasphemer. <laughs> yeah, that, was a, that, was a good, that was a good impression, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> I, you know what's funny? Is I haven't even worked on that either. That's... <laughs> wow. wow. You were a talented man without any practice. Well, would you, so tell us what you thought of the show. Dude, you know, it had, it had some things I liked. Like, like, you were talking about the special effects. I, I thought when the... They would do the close-ups of the people's faces with uh-huh. no eyes. Uh-huh. I thought that that was pretty creepy looking. Okay, but 
you know, like you said, when they started melting, it was... I was it, bummed. Well, they even said it was wax, but... Right. Well, because, I, because basically what it was was uh, the just the um, some the the it, it was no longer a rich a human. It was just a shell of a human made of wax. And so, you know, I, I mean, I guess that works. But I was, I mean, the the film was rated PG, which is and, pretty good to have melting faces. Yeah, yeah, and then you know that's true too. My, I mean, I didn't, I wouldn't have watched this with my kids. I think I would have been up every night with them, but. Yeah. I don't know. I was still a little bit bummed that they... It, it almost seemed like a cop-out to me. Well, you know, after seeing something like The Abominable Dr. Fives and then going to this movie... <laughs> That's true. Dude, this was like being slapped in the face with like a dead skunk. <laughs> Which is the worst way to get smacked in the face. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, you know, to be honest with you, I I didn't hate this movie. I th- I think that I'm kind of a sucker for, like satanic movies you know i mean not that this was so evil or anything like that but i think the subject matter uh, kind of boosts it up in my in my opinion you know the funny thing is 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 with the satanists with satanists and like their things yeah a lot of times you know they'll be not i guess not subtle is not the best word because i mean it's like they're trying to hide the fact that they're these satanists but man did it just seem weird how often they would be like hail satan Satan, you know, they just kept saying it, and it's like, dang, that's a little heavy-handed. I don't know, what do you think? I thought that was kind of comical when they were in the church saying stuff like that. You, I, That's what I'm saying. It's like it kind of, I mean, here you have, first of all, the, the decorations in the church weren't that freaking great. <laughs> you know, it, it, it uh, the satanic, like, uh, picture window or whatever, stained like glass window. and it's, Satanist of the 60s. Well, you know, and... and and maybe that's it. Maybe that's just. Maybe I just didn't know what it was like to be a Satanist back then. Maybe that's just how it was. Well, you know what I didn't understand either was. Well, well there are several things, but <laughs> at, at, the, at the beginning of the movie, it said that Anton Lavey was the technical advisor. Like, right. what the hell did he advise them? <laughs> like, you you want to make their face look almost exactly like wax, and then uh, that pentagram above the. Uh, what was it that, above the stained glass window? That needs to look like uh, a kid's cartoon. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, with like the goat on it. Yeah, that's right. Oh, and it looked like it looked like a cartoon goat, dude. Had, yep, I know. It was all bubble features. <laughs> no, I mean it was like an anime goat. <laughs> Not quite. I think I'm gonna be a little harder on this movie than you probably. I don't know. Well, well I, like I said, it's like, I mean, it's 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 kind of intriguing to me that Anton Lavey was even in this. Uh, which, who, by the way, I uh, saw a, uh, a documentary a little while back. Cause, you know, Church of Satan. How cool is that? You know, you got lots of, lots of cool little uh, things you do, rituals you do with hot naked ladies. Well, they're not hot, and they showed it all in this documentary. So, <laughs> I'm not that excited about you know about Anton Levay anymore. I thought he was like a pimp, and now he's just like some like go some dude who's going after a bunch of old cougars. You know. <laughs> <laughs> G milfs, uh, yeah, exactly. G milf, grandma. I, yeah, okay, Swiss guard. Anyway, but I, I don't know. I, I like the whole ritualistic satan, satanic thing. But uh, I, there's one thing I have to mention. Ernest Borgnine in this movie was freaking hilarious. That it guy was. Oh, dude. Well, not only is the goat, but just he was just so, just. So, he was just so boisterous and just so like in your face about all this Satanist stuff that it's just like, uh, you just have to, uh, plus with his face, you know, just how he looks, it's like, oh my gosh, 
Well, if every I time myself, I see, I would not... every time I see Ernest Borgnine now, uh-huh. I remember him being interviewed on Fox News where he told the lady that he stays, you know, young and vibrant by masturbating every day. And Only once. So now I watch movies with him in it, and all I can think about is Ernest Borgnine beating off. <laughs> you that's know, not that's something I, I want in my mind. <laughs> you know, or Ernest beat off this day. This day of filming. I know that. You know, and you can assume that with most people, but it's like you know for a surety that he did it. Now, that is a creepy thought. I'm surprised that didn't make this movie more scary to you. <laughs> no, actually, that's what I was thinking the whole time, and it did make it pretty terrifying. And then he turned into a goat. Oh, dude, that was so funny. The, that goat was great. He, he was just over the top, boisterous, whatever. I I, I love him in this movie, so <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. Well, the acting was really good. I mean, besides, you know, Shatner was Shatner. Shatner. Yeah. But Tom Skerritt, man, he's good in everything. I mean, you know, he actually seemed to uh, to do better than I think the the, the role called for, because he was like heads and shoulders more solid than you know as far as his portrayal of of, of the, uh, Mark Preston's brother than like anybody else was. He was like the only believable one in there. He he was the only one that didn't seem to be like like acting. You know, you know who he reminded me of in this? He reminded me of. Uh... Let me Tom guess, Atkins. the captain in Alien? Oh, no, yeah. He reminded me of the dude from Alien? No. Yeah. He, he reminded me of uh, Tom Atkins in Halloween 3. Oh, just, oh, did? Yeah, I don't know. He just had that, I don't know, something about him. Well, I mean, I, this was obviously before Halloween 3. Right. But, no, he just had that, it had that same kind of feel. Well, hell, I thought William Shatner was the, uh, was the hero. And then, that didn't last right. very long. Nope. I, you know, I don't know. I... I don't know. Do you have anything else, or do you do? Because you, I'm ready to tell you what I thought. Uh, I mean, I have the what did I learn? Oh yeah, we got all that. I got, dude. I have. It, it's funny because coming up, I didn't know how how uh, hard it was to to fill in for this stuff. I'm Not telling really. you, Sam did some work, dude. <laughs> no, come on, <laughs> yeah, come on. Well, okay. So after all is said and done, I did like this movie. I mean, did I love it? No. And did I think it was comical at times? Yes, I thought it was kind of a funny joke. But, you know, I will get, I'll definitely give this a red box. I mean, it's like, it's like you know, I don't know if I would quite buy it, but I think, I think people should check it out. I give this an AMC. You know, it's funny is uh, um, they probably wouldn't have to cut out a hell of a lot. Well, you know what's funny, though? And, and this is a PG movie. I'll bet you if this was on AMC, they probably still would cut out some of the face melting. You know, I thought I, I was thinking too. Maybe that that uh, I, I I don't know if PG thirteen even existed in seventy five. In fact, I'm almost positive it didn't. No, it didn't. So there you go. You know, no. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, okay, so I got a who else said that? Who calls me out of the pit? That was Janet Napolitano when Obama was trudging through the gates of hell to find his U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security. <laughs> He's, he's seen he's seen that woman, dude. Never mind. Okay, we won't get into that. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh, let's see. Do you have one? Uh, who else said that? Yeah. No, nah, I don't have one for this movie. All right, so I'll just go. Uh, I got actually, I, actually, uh, I did have the same line. I <laughs> the same line oh. you did. Oh, but, dude. Uh, I don't think mine's as good though. Oh, well, let's hear it anyway. It's, uh, who calls me from out of the pit? That is Barbara Streisand when asked to go back on tour. That's where, because that's where she stays, dude. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, what I learned, uh, I, I learned not to make a bet with a devil worshiper, 
just kick his ass and then run away before his wax people catch you. <laughs> they were all pretty slow, you know. So I, I, I figured that's what I'll do next time I'm in that situation. Uh, yeah, kicking the balls. Mine goes to Ernest Borgnine for being so weird looking in the first place that it was hard to tell when he was wearing the goat makeup and when he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's pretty pretty accurate too. Yeah. All right, and I got a uh, six degrees. Uh, William Shatner was is uh, going to be in an actual a forthcoming movie called Horrorween, uh, which I just said that and it sounded really dirty. Horrorween oh, with, with uh, Tom Savini, who's going to be in Dust Till Dawn with Danny Trejo, uh, who was in Dust Till Dawn too with Bruce Campbell. Nice. Yeah, that's it. You got anything else you want to want to say about this movie? I, I got some. Uh, what did I learn? All right, let's hear it. Let's see. Uh, water can melt more than just witches from Oz. I also learned that Santa Claus cries like a little bitch when tied upside down. Aw, aw, <laughs> come on. He was crying like a girl when he was hanging out. He didn't even have any injuries, really. <laughs> He's just hanging upside down, dude. Dude, it's hard. It's hard to hang upside down. I uh, also learned that people monogrammed their cars back in the 70s. Yes. Did you see that we big play. P on the P, side of the... yep. <laughs> yep. Look at a P on the station wagon. And uh, and finally, I learned that smacking a woman while calling her a slut and then running, that actually works sometimes. You know what? That's great. That's good. That's good for everyone to know. <laughs> that, that's good to make sure that all the kids know, know that one so they could use that one when it's appropriate. Awesome. Uh, anyway, all right, so uh, we'll be right back. Crom, I have never played to you before. I have no tongue for it. No one, not even you, will remember if we were good podcasters or bad. Why we recorded or why we voicemailed. All that matters is Metal Mikey stood against many. That's what's important. Valor pleases you, Crom. So grant me one request. Grant me action attraction. And if you do not listen, let to hell with you. Action Attraction, the action movie review podcast. You can find Action Attraction through MetalMikey.Lipson.com or at www.PennyCult.com or by searching for Action Attraction in iTunes. <laughs> Hey, we're back, 
And now we're going to talk about Chopper Chicks and Zombie Town from 1989. They are creatures of darkness, waiting for their moment to strike, waiting to prey on the innocent, and no power on earth can stop them. They're bad. They're beautiful. They're eight broads on the rag. Troma is proud to present Billy Bob Thornton in the Tromillennium edition of Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town. For the love of men. For the love of animals. Yo, the dog. For the love of God, does anyone know how to stop them? Bring back the dead. All these people are dead. They're dead. They're going to eat you, bitch. Now, it's the Queens of Ghoul. Nobody runs me out of town. Against the zombie ghoul. Ah! my husband, you think? Your husband's dead! In a war that's got everyone losing their heads. No respect for the dead. Got no respect for property! What kind of trash are you? Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town! Not just another action comedy horror biker zombie movie! Yes, this was 89? Yeah, and it seemed like it was it seemed like it was borderline right there. Should have been like it seemed to me to be more like an 80 or 81. But anyway. Alright, uh, this movie, I mean, basically the title gives the entire plot away. Chopper <laughs> Chicks in Zombie Town. Yep. But, um, basically, uh, riding around on their motorbikes, a gang of tough women bikers are the only thing that stands between a crowd of zombies, which have been accidentally let out of their secure cave, which is... <laughs> Alright, <I'll>, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that. And, uh, those still alive in the town. Also, no, IMDb I- gave this movie a 2.8, which... Oh, it Really? Yeah, and I I actually enjoyed this more than The Devil's Reign, but you know, it's dude, a tr- that's below my threshold. <laughs> a three. It's I, a I, you know movie. I mean, is it is it an official trauma movie? Because I was thinking that, that this is as close to a trauma movie that if it's not one, oh, it, it is. Th- this is basically the definition of a trauma movie. Oh, it, it is, and actually, for being a trauma movie, it seemed to have a bigger budget. But uh, <laughs> this movie starred Jamie Rose as Dee Dee, Catherine Carlin as Rox, Lysia Naff as TC. Don Kalfa, who you might remember from uh, Weekend at Bernie's, and he was also in Return of the Living Dead. He yep, played okay. Ralph Willem in this, and got, Billy Bob is that Thornton. the guy with like the is that the guy with the the big buggy eyeballs? Yeah, dude, the huge eyes. Okay. Yeah, okay. And uh, Billy Bob Thornton as Tommy. You know what's so funny is after watching this movie, um, I don't know how he, I mean, how he got any real movie roles after this one at all. Well, that's why I mean, he's smart, dude, because what happened was is he actually wrote and directed Sling Blade, and so he basically figured he had to make his own movie to get any kind of fame. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it wasn't immediately after. It was several years. But, yeah, based on what he but did that was in this his... movie, it was terrible. But, but Sling Blade was his big, um, uh, that was the one that made him really famous, right? Is that right? Oh, yeah, that was his outbreak role. Because I actually have never seen that, but I've. I've heard quotes of it so many times that I almost don't even want to see that. But dude, but I just uh, I just said uh, outbreak, which I 
Should have said breakout. Outbreak sounds like it's some kind of herpes attack or something. Are you trying to tell me that Billy Bob Thornton doesn't have herpes? You know what? He's uh, been with Angelina Jolie, so um, I imagine he has more than herpes. He has the happies. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, but, yeah. uh, what I mean, this movie was, I went into it knowing it was a trauma movie, so psyching myself up for that. You know what you're getting yourself involved with when you get a... Well, d- dude, it's called Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town. I mean, whether or not you know it's a trauma or not, you know that you you know basically. I think what you're gonna get because you're just like you said, dude. It was a group of chopper chicks that drove through a small town infested with zombies and meat. Uh, uh, hilarious! Meat. You do that one girl meat, <laughs> dude. She, so so I've never felt so objectified in my life. This I mean this was this just hated males. They called us meat. Well, I, I, yeah, I know. Uh, damn. <laughs> the, uh, I, I read a review of this movie that I don't know if the person actually even watched the movie because they said all the women were lesbians. And if they had watched the first 20 minutes of the movie, that's all they were doing was trying to find men. Dude, there was only one of them that really came out as like she as the quote unquote bull dyke. <laughs> she said it a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know what was another word that was said a ton during this movie? That uh, I coitus. Like coitus. Oh, that killed me, dude. Oh, I was. I could not. It's like good thing this wasn't a really deep movie because once you say that word to me, I'm gonna just start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I don't know that. I mean, honestly. Okay. So here. So here's the deal. I mean, obviously, you know what's going on. There's this group of like, like really kind of wicked, supposedly hardcore chopper chicks, and. There was a lot of, I mean, there there was a fair share of, like, period talk, which I didn't like, you know, obviously. It makes me a little uncomfortable. But my favorite thing about this movie was the fact that when the zombies escaped from the mine, there was, like, this, like, March of the Zombies music. Some kind of, like, old Disney, I don't even know how to explain it, but it was so funny. I mean, it was just, like, this happy, like, like marching band, almost, type of music, or, or carnival music or something. You know what I'm talking about? It was like the ants go marching one by one. Exactly. Hey, did you notice there was a slide whistle? They kept using a slide whistle in it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, awesome. and they totally trying to make it funny, and they I think they did a good job with it. Oh yeah, I mean the humor was def- definitely there. Oh, but yeah. I mean Lloyd Kaufman, he he has a formula. He knows you know you put <laughs> handicapped children in a movie, you put a slide whistle in a movie, a midget, humor, a midget. You need a midget. Yeah. Um, you need a lot of uh, crude jokes that aren't going to offend anyone because it's the the people with the problems that are making the jokes. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, it's, it's like, the lesbian saying the word dyke, and it's the midget saying, well, no, the midget said dwarf. He corrected him. Oh, that's right. You know, I didn't realize that was, that's one of the things I learned, actually, that uh, don't call a, a dwarf a midget or else they'll get pissed off. Of course, they won't be able to kick your ass <laughs> because, of course, they're midget, or excuse me, they're dwarfs. I hope no dwarfs here. What am I doing? Am I taking over Sam's spot where just to offend people? You are, dude. Damn. <laughs> that's, hey, you know what? I can already see it now. There's going to be midget pictures everywhere. Oh, dude, I think that's I think that's actually going to happen before. But I blame Sam for it before. You know, that's, that's what we're going to do from now on. If anything sucked before, we're going to blame Sam. That's what we do at work when someone quits. <laughs> like if there's like a bug in the code or something. Oh, dude, that was so-and-so. I'll fix <laughs> his shit. That's basically what we're going to do here. That's awesome. <laughs> Hey, did you have you checked this movie out on Amazon? Uh, no. It's like forty dollars. Really? 
Yeah, forty dollars, man. That blew my mind. It must be out of print or something. I'll, you know, I, 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 it very well could be. Did you get yours from Netflix? Yeah, I got no. Um, actually, I watched it online. Oh, you did. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, YouTube had the whole movie on there. Oh, you watched it the whole thing online on oh, YouTube? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay. And it was cool. actually good quality. It was uh, high def. Oh, uh, because uh, I, I, I found it online. Didn't watch it online, <laughs> but I, I, I didn't. I mean, I, mine. I wouldn't say it's a good copy. It seemed like it was uh, VHS quality. Well, well, that was the and same I, with The Devil's Reign. Did you notice uh, my copy I got from Netflix had like where it looked like the video was warping? Oh, really? But it was a DVD I was watching. Uh, no, I mine, mine looked okay. It looked, I mean, it looked like it came from 1975, but it looked okay. What did you think of this movie overall? Well, here's here's the thing. I really liked the beginning because here's here you've got these uh, these girls on you know you get you get to know them a little bit, which is kind of funny, and they kind of play into and it's totally they do this on purpose. They they play into these like little uh, stereotype roles you know like you got the the bull dyke and you got the one that's obsessed with meat and you got the one who's a mom who's soft inside then you have the one that's like like a hero inside and just is lost but but one day she'll find her place and she'll become the hero you know you know and it wasn't it wasn't like too bad but i mean getting to know them and their their some of their conversations were so ridiculous that you just had to laugh at them i mean it was just pretty funny and then uh of course we find out that uh, this doctor's been <laughs> Uh, reanimating these bodies and storing them up in this cave, which, by the way, they, what, what was that? Did they used to do like, was there like a hospital in that cage or something? I mean, what, or in the cave, I mean, or in the mine? There, because it was like some kind of, it looked like almost like a, like a whole little medical area. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, that, that whole cave thing just confused me. Oh, dude, it was hilarious. But <laughs> they were, that's when the, the, the zombies started walking. Escaped and then started walking. One of them like got all mesmerized by the by the surveillance camera. Of course, you had all that music going, and they had to walk five miles, and it probably it, it took them forever. There were these just slow zombies and whatnot, you know. And then and then after a while, it didn't. You kind of you, you figured out why you know what was going on, why there's these zombies, and you know you find out that, that there's this doctor who who I can't remember the guy you were saying who was with the buggy eyes. You know why he was doing it and all this stuff, and uh, it was really good. And then it just kind of dropped off for a while. It seemed to be get a little slow, kind of in the middle. Oh yeah, until but the I, until the finale. Yeah, and I was gonna say, but the ending kind of kind of picked it up. And I'll tell you what, this movie didn't seem like it was that long. It, it was probably around less than an hour and a half, I'll bet. I think you it was seventy minutes. Okay, you cut twenty minutes out of this movie, which is which is not wow. That's that'd be really short. You cut t- t- 20, 15, 20 minutes out of the show. And it's it's just you're gonna it's just fun the whole way through, but I mean I and I don't want to bag on it too much because I did enjoy myself and obviously you're not gonna enjoy it if you don't like trolling the movies. I mean and that and that's the one caveat always with trolling the movies is that if you if you don't if if you don't like that style, you're just gonna get upset with it. Dude, I mean, I, I knew going into it what I was gonna get because with trauma, I mean, you're gonna get the same thing every time. Right. So I mean, I I don't hold that against them because you know it's independent filmmaking. Well, and the thing is, is I don't I don't mean that as a bad thing. I just there's just a definite style that it goes with most trauma movies. What's well, the same and, with the red with the Charles Band stuff too? Oh, I totally agree with you. The thing is, is there are people out there who just don't like who don't like that that type of presentation. You know, and it's like if you don't like it, you're not gonna like this because I mean the the 
the uh, dialogue was was very cheesy and silly. There was one scene where uh, uh, like this girl decides to go into a bar and just start singing to the jukebox during the middle of a of a wake, which was going on in the bar, by the way. What the crap? And uh, just starts dancing and singing and doing all this. It's like, well, you know, only in a trauma movie, man. <laughs> you know. Speaking of only in a trauma movie, how about the uh, the school for the blind bus with the Uzi strapped to the front of it? Oh yeah, the freaking the driver has an Uzi strapped, <laughs> like, and it's not it's just it's not even really harnessed in; it's just sitting there. Yeah, it doesn't have a lock on it, and it's loaded. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess he figures he he carts around blind kids. It's not like they're gonna ever find the. They're not gonna ever know it's there unless he uses it. But no, they found it. No, nah, but I agree that the the ending was cool. I mean, it was it was it was fun. It, it wasn't particularly uh, unique or anything like that. But I I thought it was funny. Uh, what would you give this movie overall? Uh, you know, I would I would give this a red box too. I mean, it, I didn't like I said I didn't love it, but only you know it was a little slow. But I, I definitely I'm glad I watched it. Um, you know, just a just a claim that I've seen a movie called Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town. <laughs> you know? I think everybody at work thought I was crazy when I told them that. <laughs> no I, doubt. I was like, Billy Bob Thornton's in it, man. You haven't seen it, really? Billy Bob Thornton, wow, that gives us real, some real credibility. We'll wait till you see it. Oh, you know, and he's in the movie for, what, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes? Yeah, yeah he is. Just enough he gets, to get He gets laid. his shirt off, though. He's, he actually has his own lines with his own voice, though. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. That's awesome. I can't do a Billy Bob Thornton impersonation. I'm not doing you French fried potatoes or something. That's yeah. I haven't even seen the movie. I've just heard people do that before. I reckon I'm gonna kill you. But uh, okay. I, I think I'd do the same. I think I go Red Box on this because you know, I don't think it's worth buying. But seeing once, it definitely. I mean, I'd probably even watch it again at some point. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, no, I, I probably would watch this again too. In fact, I'd probably watch this uh, if if someone ever came over or. If I ever wanted to torture my wife a little, eh, I'd throw it on. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's some Twilight payback. Uh, well, I uh, that's a long that's a long and that just brought up some pain. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I have a who else a couple who else said that. Okay. Um, nice box. You could pick up anything with that. That is Michael Bay to Megan Fox at the Transformers audition. <laughs> that. Is probably very true, but very gross. <laughs> um, most of the time, it's just push and she's down. That's uh, anyone who's ever met Paris Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Uh, and my last one is, uh, it, I'd kind of like to get my bike back. That's Pee Wee Herman. Wow. That's deep. <laughs> yeah. I, I try uh, You know, it's funny. It I just watched that the other day. I love that <laughs> flick, dude. Oh, that movie's awesome. <laughs> anyway. And... Uh, what did I learn? Uh, chopper chicks are about as attractive as you'd imagine. Not yes. very. Not very. Now, um, you know, there were a couple scenes I don't want to get too uh, vulgar or raunchy, but let's just say those pants were way too tight. Um, are you talking a little bit about uh, 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 something about an animal that roams the desert and has humps? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Um, using the word coitus, I learned, yeah. is basically the equivalent of being a high school health teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad my high school health teacher didn't use that then uh, get on me. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be bad. <laughs> I learned also that to prepare for Beetlejuice, Michael Keaton stayed in character but changed his name to Billy Bob Thornton. Yep. 
Did you notice that he looked just like Beetlejuice when he had his shirt off? And, oh, my God, dude. dude. And uh, finally, uh, dowsing blind kids in beer is not in poor taste at all. Well, of course not. They were... you, know what, you know what I learned? And th- I have one I learned something and a kick in the balls at the same time. But they kind of contradict each other. But I learned that um, uh, it's okay to, like, uh, abuse midgets. <laughs> like like that doctor would have. But then again, the, my kick in the balls award goes to the doctor for abusing midgets. See, my, my kick in the balls actually goes to the midget. Because what? <laughs> He's a midget, dude. Yeah, you'd have to kick pretty low, but <laughs> he said his reasoning for helping the doctor was that he, the doctor said he could make him taller. You think anybody with common that? sense would just? Well, I, I figured he was talking about genetically somehow. Oh, and that's just. I mean, I, know, I understand if you put like dude, leg we're, extensions we're, on him or something. We're talking about a guy who's who's creating zombies, man. He's, he, if he reaches for the stars, he may just be able to pull that off. Uh, I do have one more kick in the balls. Um, they, there's one point where the chopper chicks decide that they're going to go to a hardware store to pick up weapons to fight the zombies with. One chick comes out with a stapler. It's like, what in the shit are you going to do with a stapler? Dude, you saw Drag Me to Hell. Uh, that's true, too. But you know what? Oh, you know what? I, I've been corrected. You're right, man. <laughs> Man. Anyway. Uh, and I have a six degrees. It is Hal Sparks who played the uh, blind blind kid with the Uzi. He was in Spider Man Two with Bruce Campbell. Who was he? In which movie? No, I mean now who's he in Spider Man? He was in the elevator in the scene I think it was the scene where they were I'm not sure. He was in the he was the kid in the elevator. Well not kid, he was a, the dude in the elevator. Oh really? I don't remember. That's cool though. Yeah, so I mean that was a Pretty direct link. You know, I would have assumed that that would have been the hardest one to do. You know, I actually, I actually like tried almost everybody in this movie and just looked. And I mean, there were some people in this movie who never did anything else ever. I can't imagine why. Yeah, I have no idea why. (laughs) Man, I would give a kick in the balls to Rocks, the leader, but she didn't have balls. Well, (laughs) come on, that's up for debate. She had had a lot of balls. Yeah, (laughs) I, I don't know if I'd make such a bold statement. <laughs> anyway, is that it? Yeah, I think that wraps up uh, Chopper Chicks and Zombie Town. Sweet, dude. We'll be right back. In the future, after the zombie apocalypse decimates the world, human civilization tries to put itself back together again. Their secret weapon? The mechs. Massive robotic battle machines. But what happens when a mech pilot dies in his mech and becomes a zombie? Hell on Earth is unleashed. Presenting Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel. If you love zombies, horror, sci-fi, futuristic battle machines, blood, guts, gore, and cannibals, oh, so many cannibals, then visit jakebible.com for more info and to download the free podcast novel. Jake Bible's Dead Mech. The future may not be completely dead, but it's on its way.
And we're back with uh, the Bride of Chucky, which, by the way, has one of the greatest taglines of all time. Chucky gets lucky. Lucky. Barbie, eat your heart out. Nasty. Uh, came out in 1998. It was directed by Ronnie Yu, who did, uh, actually directed Freddy vs. Jason, and I know I keep bringing this up, but he was involved in one of the greatest DVD commentaries of all time on that movie. Uh, it was written by Don Mancini, who actually did the, uh, the original. IMDb gave this a 5.3. Um, the budget was $25 million and the gross was $50.6 million. So this is fairly successful, and that's, that's good news because this is the type of movie that I that uh, you, you kind of cheer for because, uh, come on, what was this? Like the, like the, was this the fourth? Was this the yeah, fourth part four. Part four, you know, come on. You still love to see movies making that much money, you know, this far into it. Anyways, uh, Jennifer Tilly played Tiffany. Brad Dorif played, uh, the well, he was the voice of Chucky. We all know that. Of course, uh, Catherine Heigl, who that's actually our got started in horror person. Um, you know what's funny is I, I don't know, I don't think she's like one of the most famous A-list Hollywood people that there is, but I just really wanted to watch this movie again, <laughs> you know? Oh, that's, yeah. That's, I think, why I chose this one, but... Uh, well, I forgot um, she was in this. You know, and it's funny because, you know, uh, what movie did I just see? The Ugly Truth? Is that, is that sound like a movie? It's her and Gerard Butler. Oh, that's right. Her and Gerard Butler. Um... I, I watched it a while back with my wife, and uh, it's like, I was like, where do I know her from? And, I, you know, obviously I figured it out, but it's like, wow. So I, I figure since she's in that movie, come on. She's in with, she's in a movie with Dracula 2000, that means you made her. <laughs> <laughs> actually, if that were true, then Vitamin C, the pop singer, was actually in Dracula 2000, and then by that definition she would have made it, which is bullshit. Anyway, uh, Nick Stable was Jesse. Alexis Arquette played Damien. Uh, Gordon Michael Wolvett played David, and uh, in one of my favorite roles in this whole movie, John Ritter played Chief Warren Kincaid. Hell yeah. Um, dude, I mean, I don't know what it is, but uh, I freaking loved Three's Company back in the day. Dude, Come he's on. he's a charisma, uh, charismatic actor, man. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I agree. He was actually on a Buffy episode, too, that I really... He kind of played the same... He actually played a robot, ended up being a robot, but uh, he actually kind of played the same role as kind of like the dick 
uh, you know, power, like, like the father figure type deal. But uh, come on, are you kidding me? Just to be in a show for that long where you, first of all, Don Knotts is in it. And second of all, you, you have an apartment with two hot chicks. Give me a break. Yeah, and one you, hot chick you leaves. You are badass. And, you know, after, uh, was it uh, Barbara? Well, no, what's the chick that was in the blonde one? Uh, are you talking about the, the what's that? The thigh the master? exercise machine? Yeah, thigh master. Uh, Susan? Summers? Summers? Yeah. Summers? Uh-huh. I mean, even after she left the show, he had another hot chick move in with him. Dude, that's that's, that's the Ritter. <laughs> you know, actually, this is the second episode in a row where we've had a Ritter in it. I know. About it's that. Same director, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know what? I didn't even think of that. Yeah, dude. How about that? I bet you that's how uh, Jason Ritter got his, uh, his uh, job in... Uh, Freddy versus Jason because freaking Ronnie loved his dad. <laughs> well, that's what was, that really, right? was it, that was really was sad. Was it his dad? Yeah, his oh, dad. Oh, oh, I know, man. Well, it's a bummer. Uh, John Ritter passed away before Freddy versus Jason was released, like a week before, I think. A week? Yeah, it was real close. Wow. So I mean, that was kind of sad that he didn't, he didn't even get to really see his son. Sort of. I mean, his. I don't know how successful he became, but Jason, I don't know. I haven't seen him anything else. It seems like he kind of he has like the look to show up in one of those kind of teeny bopper soap opera type things like DLC, I guess, which I've never seen anything like that. Well, he's on but one I of those shows. He's on. Uh, was he? Yeah, he played a kid in a wheelchair on uh, some like One Tree Hill or something. Oh, I haven't even heard of that one. Yeah, I don't watch it. I just <laughs> I I looked him yeah, up on IMDb. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, his name was Jim, and he was in a wheelchair in One Tree Hill, and his girlfriend Stephanie left him because she... No, yeah, right. You never watch it. No. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, okay, so basically, the synopsis is, uh, again, it's, it's, uh, it's you know, it's it's not really that deep, but I mean, of course, it's, it's just a slasher. It's, I'm not saying this like it's a bad thing. It's a slasher sequel, so, I mean, what are you going to do? But uh, I think that I think that this this is actually this the first sequel that I think really kind of broke out of that uh, you know kind of the, the kind of where they I wouldn't I don't know if I want to say reinvented Chucky but basically they just kind of it, there was something about this movie that just kind of made it seem fresh. Am I am I am I way off? What do you think? No, I mean it was complete. It wasn't completely different. Same concept of trying to switch the soul, but I think it, right. it had a like a fresh feel. Well, and this was this was probably I mean this was one of the most I mean uh, up to this point this was the most self-referential, self-deprecating uh, sequels yet. I mean because they kept you know for instance uh, uh, there's 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 scenes in it where he would you know just kind of joke about uh, what was that line where when uh, when the two kids find out that the I'm getting ahead here but I think people could stay with me. Um, when when the kids find out that uh, these two dolls are the ones doing the killing, they're like, the the, the kid asks him something like, "Well, what? Well, how 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 did this happen?" He said something like, "Well, you know what? It's a long story. If it were a movie, it would take three or four sequels to to tell do the, do it justice oh, or whatever." Awesome. You know, I know. Tiffany, a former lover and accomplice of uh, serial killer Charles Lee Ray, acquires Chucky's remains. After bribing and later murdering a police officer who was who removed the dismembered children's doll parts from an evidence locker, and by the way, this was a pretty funny scene because in some of the other lockers, what was there? There was like a, a Mike Myers mask, a Freddy, or a, sorry, a Jason mask, Freddy's uh, Freddy's claw. There was a chainsaw in there. Yeah, you saw a chainsaw. And in, in actually, after reading a little bit too, there was um, 
Uh, a couple other things like, uh, I can't, like what was it? Uh, the Puppet Master dolls or something like that. I can't remember. There, but apparently there were just a bunch. You know, and that and that's just the kind of humor. I mean, this movie knew exactly what it was. And, you know, we just I, th I think they just kind of went out and said, we're going to have a fun time doing this. And uh, I think they ended up doing a good job. Anyways, basically what happens is she gets this doll. She sews it back together. And this is Tiffany, who's, who's uh, played, what's that girl's name again? Jennifer Tilly. Jennifer Tilly, sorry. Jennifer Tilly. And, and, okay, so here's the question. Jennifer Tilly, hot or not? Dude, totally hot, man. You know, I was going to say earlier when you said starring Jennifer Tilly, and it was also starring her boobs. Dude, I mean, I was the the only problem with this movie is that she was only in it like her as a as a flesh and blood person, you know, for the first twenty minutes or whatever. Because th there were a few scenes where she did kind of look a little a little haggard, but but I think they did a good job with uh, making her up and stuff anyway. Oh yeah. Not, not to get not to get too far off on that tangent. There, ex but there was one spot where she was outside of her trailer. She was pulling out the the, the big chest, and uh, she had that cigarette in her hand, and you know the sun was out, and she kind of looked like well, she looked like I guess a a trailer person. But, you know what? <laughs> I don't look down. They just she just didn't look that hot. Damn it! Get off my back. Anyway, so uh, basically, she tries to uh, tries to put Charles Lee Ray's soul back into the Chucky doll by uh, grabbing the book Voodoo for Dummies and uh, trying to uh, you know trying to basically do the same spell that that has been going on the whole series. Um, anyway, it actually ends up uh, working, and uh, just like you said, I mean they, I mean I'm obviously I'm skimming over the the. the what, of actually what happens in the movie. But basically, they need to find the, what was it called, the, the, some kind of pendant, the, the heart of Dumbala. That was at the heart because, of Dumbala. Yeah, basically, which was uh, buried with Charles Lee Ray's body in Hackensack, New Jersey. They needed to get that so they could actually, uh, you know, put his soul back into a human body. Well, before they take off, unfortunately, uh, they kind of get into a little bit of a lover spat and... Uh, uh, Chucky actually kills Tiffany and uh, puts her body into a doll that she bought for him because, uh, anyway. So, they, I guess all we really need to know is they're both in these doll bodies. Uh, they find this uh, this young couple to take them, to, it basically pays them 500 I, th I thought it was so funny how uh, they, they pay them 500 bucks to, to take these dolls to New Jersey. And, uh, you know, these two young lovers that are trying to take off from the oppression of John Ritter, who's the chief of police. <laughs> the, the funniest part where it's like, <coughs> sorry, the funniest part is where, where it's like, you know, I think we should take off. We should get married. And he's like, don't worry about money. I've got money. I've got 500 bucks. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, dude. You know how long 500 bucks is going to last you? Anyway, come on. They were They were young and they were in love. They weren't thinking with their... With their minds, they were thinking with their hearts. The okay. hotel they stayed at would have cost about that. Oh, dude! Well, especially in that really classy hotel that they ended up staying in, the the honeymoon suites up in Niagara Falls. But anyway, so basically, what they were going to do is they it was convenient because they take both dolls. They were going to show up in the Hackensack, New Jersey, right where um, the uh, heart of Dumball is going to be. Which, by the way. They were digging up Charles Lee Ray's body because of a couple of murders that happened. They'd seen Charles Lee Ray's, uh, or they'd found Charles Lee Ray's fingerprints. So, <coughs> yeah, sorry. So basically, they 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 show up in New Jersey. They with uh, they got the two dolls. They got the two uh, nubile young bodies for them to get into. And 
and uh, Charles E. Ray's already dug up. Anyway, that was a very short, a very short uh, um, synopsis. Do you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, not really. I mean, there. No, I think that pretty much covers it as far as the plot goes. Well, plus it's like I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of little subplots, like for instance, uh, uh, the struggles that. Uh, Catherine Heigl and her boyfriend, their characters dealt with, with, uh, you know, such an oppressive, it was actually her, what, her uncle or something like that, because her, her parents had died and whatever, and, you know, just trying to overcome, you know, that kind of crap, and then there was, and, you know, there's a lot of, a, a lot of, uh, I, this was actually, I mean, there were some good kills and stuff like that, but all in all, this was a pretty, just, I think more of a dark humor type of deal. I mean, definitely a horror movie, but I think that, that, I think they were they're intending for there to be more laughs than I think actual scares or whatever. What do you think? Oh yeah, dude. It was I I think they wrote in more jokes than they did anything. Well, and, and there were all sorts of funny jokes. I mean, just just like the one I was saying before. I mean, let's see. I actually wrote a couple of down uh where um oh, you know what? There was actually one I was reading on uh, uh IMDb that they actually cut out one line that I thought would have been awesome. It says uh, according to the DVD's director or the DVD's director commentary Chucky was originally supposed to say to Chief Warren, I guess this is a little bit of a spoiler, but Jack Raider dies. Uh, he actually says, uh, he, he was supposed to, Chucky was supposed to say, sorry Jack, but three's a crowd, after killing him. But they took it out because uh, they thought that was too cheesy. But I thought that would have been awesome. Well, and I'm sure John Ritter would get a kick out of it. Oh yeah, and then uh, when John Ritter died, he had all those nails coming out of his face, and he was like, oh, that looks familiar. He looks like Pinhead in there. That was cool. There were there were really a few quirky performances. One by Alexis, uh, what's his name? Alexis um, Arquette. Arquette, where he played this uh, this really just weird goth dude, and uh, it's so funny because uh, I think that I I totally loved that part. But I my kick in the balls goes to him because basically he knows that Tiffany's killed someone before. And he still let her tie or what, what handcuff him to the bed. That's not a smart thing to do. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, he played the douchey goth real good, but no, I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, he did a good job with that, but it was a tiny part too, really. Yeah, I mean, there were some there were some things where she didn't even seem to really like him a whole lot, and he lets her tie her tie him up. Well, it, it, you know, I I thought the same thing. It's funny because it's like, well. I don't know. She, I, he obviously worships her, and he's and, and he's trying to do all sorts of stuff to win her love. For instance, he's he thinks that killing somebody, <coughs> sorry, he thinks that killing somebody would impress her. So he he goes to all this trouble to take this picture of himself dead, you know. And basically, she busts him for it. But it's it's just like, yeah, hey, he's kind of a little weasel trying to trying to uh, impress this girl, which is fun. It ends up being kind of funny because you, but because uh, he dies, and then you see him on the news. And uh, you see him in like side by side, him how he looks as a goth, and then him like probably a year earlier when he just looked like a complete nerd. It was it was pretty funny. It was awesome. He had that little fro going on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, what do you got? What do you got for this one? Uh, well, um, I there were some things in it that I thought were really, I don't know, maybe I'm just not remembering the late '90s very well, but uh-huh. were Christian Slater jokes pretty relevant in the late '90s? 
Yeah, because I thought that was like. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he's still on drugs. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he probably is to this day, but who knows? <laughs> Especially since he's doing a bunch of UA Bowl movies. Actually, he's only done one, but. <laughs> was bad. Alone in the dark. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Did you notice the scene you were talking about when they were outside the trailer? Did yeah. You, did you notice that whole scene when she's talking to Jesse and she's leaning against the car that she's like humping the air? No, I didn't notice. Watch her, dude. I, like her, her, she's like gyrating that whole that whole scene. Well, she wanted Jesse. Is that that's the name? You know, that I think it's funny because that uh, that trailer park would actually be a cool place to go camping at. You know, I was all bummed out. I'm like, man, they have a trailer park right by that cool, pristine river, and man, you can go fishing in there. Like, what a waste, anyway. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I liked it. Uh, this is a really good movie, but my uh, my problem with this movie is it seemed like it in certain parts like it was trying too hard to be hip. Uh, yeah, I can see that. But no, I really well, like this. It, it, didn't he say one time uh, when they were trying to choose a weapon, and uh, you know he picks up a a knife? Oh, that's played out or or something like that. You know, I guess just trying to. I can see what you're saying. Well, hip. I don't know hip. I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm. You're asking the wrong guy because I I wouldn't know what that is anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a really good movie though. Let's see. Anything else on it? Let's see. There's a few. I took a few notes. Um, did you know that uh, Julia Stiles was going to take uh, um, the Catherine Heigl's role, but she decided to do Ten Things I Hate About You? Have you ever seen? Is that a movie? I assume that's a movie. I've never seen it. Yeah, I've seen pieces of it. It's uh not a good movie. It's yeah. it's it's one of those uh, like uh, not Fox, like ABC Family movies. Are you serious? Yeah, you, I probably wouldn't like that very much. And I had like Heath Ledger in it, and it had the Joker in it. Yeah, dude. There's a doll sex scene in it. Uh, <laughs> she she asked as the dolls were doing it. She asked if uh, he had a rubber, and she said, "Babe, I am rubber." Not pretty funny. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that 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 one kind of didn't land. But yeah, it's like what? That's not something I, I I've seen this before. But when I first saw this, I didn't expect to see dolls getting it on. No, and, and that's funny. And not only do you see that, but there's a spoiler: you get to see a doll giving birth, which is which is very strange. I don't know if I'd call that a spoiler though, because the next movie is Seed of Chucky. Yeah, that's true. That yeah, I forgot about that. Well, I guess I didn't forget, but no, that's true. Um, let's see, kicking the balls. I already gave the kick in the balls, but I did learn one thing. That uh, I shouldn't feel so bad for uh, getting a boner off my sister's dolls when I was a kid, because you can actually do them. <laughs> nothing? Nothing? Come on. That was pretty Gosh. good. <laughs> <laughs> praising praising the stupid-ass joke. Okay, anyway. That's good. <laughs> I learned you can summon spirits on a pentagram made of cornmeal. Yes, cornmeal. That's what she it actually like. used that to bake to bake some uh, cornbread after. <laughs> you know, she, it's just people who are just so resourceful. And uh, the Frankenstein haircut was popular with gay men in the '90s, apparently. <laughs> the haircut that made your head look like a square. Yeah, dude, that guy at the beginning of the movie <laughs> was telling her to was it put a what was he telling her about the plant? He was oh uh, put aspirin put aspirin in it. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll it'll stay good for like a week. Man. Great. <laughs> I'd like to get a, a give a kick in the balls to uh, Ronnie Yu for having Catherine Heigl 
the chick at the hotel and Jennifer Tilly in this movie, and not one boob. Well, so who's the who's the girl at the hotel? The, Nobody well, just had a nice rack. Yeah, just that couple. Oh, 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 you're you're talking about the couple, right? Like the swingers or whatever. <clears throat> right, right, okay. Yeah, she wasn't ugly. Yeah, how do you do that? Well, and doesn't, it, I, it doesn't really fit next, in with his other movies. I, you know, I can't. I, I still cannot believe that we picked three movies and no boobs. Well, I think I think uh, we can we can fix that. I think you. I think that we ought to make that a point. <laughs> we'll actually go and search movies out that. <laughs> Excellent. I do have a who else said that, and this is a long one, so stick with me. It says, "Ade do a dumbalar, give me the power, I beg of you. Ade do a dumbalar, give me the power, I beg of you. Ade do a dumbalar, awake." That's uh, every. T- that's what Hugh Hefner has to say. Every time uh, he needs to get a boner after being around hot naked chicks for the last 50 years. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Man. He's, he actually says something similar to that when they're changing him. Oh, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for that one. <laughs> Come on. He's like he's like everyone's idol, man. Oh. Well, he goes uh, through got... like three women a year, dude. Ugh. That's a... Uh... And he's like 90. Well, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. That's why he needs freaking voodoo. <laughs> no man, that that is one of the luckiest dudes on the planet. Uh you're telling me. Uh I got a six degrees. Uh let's see. Jennifer Tilly was in Liar Liar with Jim Carrey, who is in The Majestic with Bruce. Man, I have not seen The Majestic. I have seen it and it is not that great. Isn't it a Frank anyway, Darabont movie? I have no idea. I, I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's the guy who did the mist. The mist was I like the mist. Man, he missed on on uh, the majestic. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. You got anything else? Uh, no, I think I would give this movie a uh, buy, though. Just I'd give it a buy too. It's part of the series. I mean, well, and not to mention, if I mean, if you're in the mood for just a funny slasher horror movie, this is this is one to hit up because it's funny. And you don't have to think it's about very anything. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I I really enjoyed this movie. I didn't. I didn't, it was hard for me to come up with, you know, I mean, it wasn't the best movie in the world, but it was hard for me to sit here and say, oh my gosh, this part sucked, or this part sucked, because it's like, you know what, I mean, besides, it almost seemed like everything they did was, uh, in all the, I mean, it's not like they tried any unintentional jokes, or, or it just seemed like everything kind of worked, and like I said, it wasn't a masterpiece, but I, I it worked for me. Yeah, I mean, I think Don Mancini did a pretty good job writing it because it, it didn't really seem like the first movie at all. Uh, oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, that one was was played almost you know straight up practically, <laughs> except for the fact that they chose the good guy doll and he was all happy or whatever. But uh, no, I think that was definitely a lot darker than I think all three of them were. I mean, obviously after a while, Chucky was cracking jokes and stuff, especially what was it, part three, the one where he goes to uh, uh, the military school. Oh yeah, part three. Is that part three? Because he was really starting to like drop the jokes about you know because uh, that kid was you know getting into porn and stuff like that, and he joked about that and kind of taunted him a little bit. But I don't know. I I think that this one they kind of just kicked it up a notch and and really just re- understood what this series ha- has become and and really just kind of reveled it in and went with it. <laughs> that was the line he had in the third movie. Chucky's gonna be a brother. What? <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, because when he's telling Andy. Oh, that oh, that's right. Because that little dude, that that yeah, that's right. He's gonna steal that little guy's. Yeah. By the way, that was creepy because he was gonna play 
so what, steal the soul or something? It was hide the soul. The little kid. Hide the soul, that's right. It's like, uh, yeah, that's, that's a little close to uh, pedophilia for my taste, I guess. <laughs> when that kid was so starved for attention, he didn't think it was weird at all that a damn doll's talking to him. <laughs> Johnny has an email address, a Cadaver Lab email address. Spell your name for him. It's J-O-H-N-N-Y at cadaverlab.com. Send him all the crap you want, and uh, except for be be really nice, cause <laughs> hey, dude, I can take I can take the if I said something that pissed someone off or if I need to be corrected, I'm I'm down with that. Uh, listen, if you didn't say anything that pissed anybody off, then this is not the cadaver lab. I'm just teasing, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no. So uh, and mine is Mike at cadaverlab.com. Shoot us any emails. Uh, like I said, we're gonna kind of regroup and do some uh, do the feedback next time. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you've got for him? Uh, no, do you uh, do you want to talk about the three movies next week? Sure, let's do it. Um, next week we'll be covering non-franchise slasher films, uh, basically one-shots in the slasher genre. And we picked uh, The Prowler from 1981. We picked Intruder from 1982. And we picked also... Actually, I can't remember the third movie. Damn it, I can't I, I think it's like... I want to say it's Slaughter High. Is it Maniac? No, it's, it's Slaughter High. Okay, Slaughter High. Well, now it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, if you have anything to say about that, you know, send an email. Call or... it in. Awesome, man. So so how'd you, th- how'd, you, how'd you enjoy your first time? Dude, I dug it, man. This is awesome. Cool. But, Stick uh, around for a while. No, don't leave me. I, you know, like, I don't know if I could take the rejection again, man. Hell no. So if anything, quick, you're going to get sick of me. <laughs> throw me. Throw my ass off the show. Are you kidding me? No way. Um, all right, so I guess that's it. So, uh, if there's nothing else, we will see ya!